of Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's Kivecast. Star Space Station, the snap open space hatch. Sometimes known as the Vintage Pod. Wow, what a weird a monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Hud, Chewbacca, and Stephen B. Dem. Market data mined by Brisbane, Brisbane Mike. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well. And Fantastic Pete. Tech support by The Lowe's. Henceforth, Sky and Steve shall return to their usual format. This month has a podcast dedicated to the AT-AT Commander and the toys related to him, like the AT-AT itself, the INT-4, and the Rebel Command Center playset. We talk a lot about Sears and about the need to eliminate the term shrink wrap. We talk coins and the coin production process with James Gallo, co-author of Coining a Galaxy. Plus, here are a series of long rants against Facebook from Grandpa Sky and prequel hate from hipster snob Steam, the 63rd Vintage Pod. Wampa Wampa. Welcome to Codcast number 63. Uh, my name is Sky, and I'm here in Rochester with um, Steve. I'm sorry. I listen to all these other podcasts, and they always <laughs> say their name at the beginning. Yeah. And it sounds so professional. So let me try it again. Uh, right. This is Sky. You have a. Br- I can't do it. Anyways, how's it going, Steve? It's going pretty well. Going well. So it's crazy. It's uh, it's good to be back in the in the booth again, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, the last time we actually recorded together, it was at Celebration Anaheim of Los Angeles, right? Yeah, yeah, it was that that like the new podcast stage thing, and like listening to that last show, I sounded like completely dead. Like, I can't <laughs> believe I that did not even. I'm usually pretty mellow, but when I was listening, like, geez, what was wrong with me that day? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, yeah, so it's our 63rd uh, episode. And another thing, Steve, so usually we'll uh, give you a peek behind the beef curtain here. Um, <laughs> usually Steve and I, we trade like uh, outlines. Right. But this month I thought, you know, let's just record because I'm actually going down to New York. I'm going to go to uh, a July 4th party at Yehuda's. Oh, nice. Um, right on. And as far as I know, pretty much anyone's invited. So if you like Star Wars toys uh, – uh, find Yehuda. He's the only <laughs> Yehuda in the hobby. Yeah. So find him. <laughs> Pretty soon, Steve. He's going to need an official name on the podcast. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's going to require care. I think you know we got to make sure we yeah. get that right. Yeah. I was just going to go with the Mensch, but I don't know if that. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, that, that works. I think I feel like we maybe even have attributed that to him before, just not quite. As a direct nickname, though, right? I yeah, feel like that's that's on the right path. Yeah, I think so, but but we'll see. Anyway, so I'm, I'm heading down to the Menches this yeah. this uh, <laughs> this weekend, and I'm like, if I were not me, I would love to be listening to this podcast on the way down. <laughs> so I kind of accelerated thing too. We'll be talking to James Gallo about coins. Um, I contacted Ron Salvatore, but I think it was too late. So really, the last couple episodes, I've started them off saying, this is not a typical episode. <laughs> uh, well, everybody, you have found a typical episode. We are going to talk about the AT-AT Commander. 
<laughs> and uh, I I put a poll today on our Facebook page. Yeah, um, yeah, I saw that. To see who is more boring, the Imperial Commander or the ATAT Commander. Uh, <laughs> hold on to your butts because we will tell you the the results of that later. Um, another thing, Steve, I wanted to say is in my in my outline that I kept to myself, I realized yes. we should just call everything that we do before the news uh-huh. like pre-show banter. Yeah, that, I mean that pretty much sums it up, right? Yeah, because it still yeah. has to do with a show, so it's not yeah. really pre-show. But anyway, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of a little bit all all over the place here. Um, right. you, you may have been able to tell by me saying, "Hold on to your butts." Uh, <laughs> Are you in a Jurassic Park mood? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the movie came out, and yep. the kids saw it, and uh, uh, you know, we got the Legos, and we watched all the original movies. Yeah. <laughs> and Steve, we've talked about Jurassic Park before. Uh, yes, at length, specifically the uh, the third installment, right? Yes. <laughs> so I would just like to make a point, Steve. Okay. Okay. Now I don't like to take a lot of credit for things. Okay. <laughs> but what happened in the last month? What's the most important thing that happened last month in terms of cinema? In terms of cinema, right? Uh, Jurassic Park breaking the record. Is that what you're? Yeah, saying? Jurassic yeah. World coming out. Or Jurassic the World, right? Right. In domestic politics, what's the most important thing that happened, Steve? Wow, marriage equality. Yes, gay yeah. marriage. This is not a coincidence, Steve. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, because my theories on Jurassic Park 3 were so insightful, it made everyone <laughs> come to realize that popularity and that equality just couldn't wait. <laughs> is it? Does it work, Steve? No. Uh, you know what, though? It- I'll give you that they both happen to occur in the same month, and there yes. is a tie to a previous show. So, I yes. mean, I think that's pretty much all you need to arm yourself with at this point. Yeah, there's a, maybe a correlation, not a causation. Yeah, there um, you go. But it's, it's pretty funny because Ron actually, on his Facebook thing, posted something by Out Magazine uh-huh. um, that talked all about how Chris Pratt is essentially uh, like a, a homosexual icon for young men. And he really pointed out the homoeroticism of Jurassic Park, and uh, I rewatched Just like the whole the franchise in general. Yeah, or, or... yeah, the franchise okay. in general. I mean, if you look okay. at it, most franchises try to have like a young, attractive woman at the center of it. Right. Think about the Jurassic Park. Right. You got Laura Dern yeah. fetching, yeah. but not exactly uh, Megan Fox. You know, right. in uh-huh. two thousand and five. Not that mold. No. Uh, Julianne Moore, kind mm-hmm. of the same thing. Um, oh, Tia Leone, who, again, watched Jurassic Park 3. I'm telling you, if her preference is men, I would – anyways. Uh, and then Jurassic Park 4 is like uh, uh, Opie's sister. So it's like <laughs> – anyway, so th- it's a really good uh, article on Out Magazine um, All right. that kind of goes into that. So I-, I do think there is some kind of correlation there. And that's one thing I like about, about the Jurassic Park movies is that they're not really sexist. Um, and they directly led to uh, gay marriage. <laughs> and Steve, what's the biggest news on a personal level? Does, <laughs> yeah, is, does well, this uh, have anything to do with what we've been talking about, Steve? Are you <laughs> an ad- certain dinosaur? Oh, <laughs> uh, she, she's going to like this comparison to dinosaurs. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so Tessa and I are, are officially going to make it for real. You're engaged. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm very happy. Congratulations, Steve. Thank you. That, that is great news. Although uh, this podcast has portrayed the negative side of marriage 
quite often. Uh, this is uh, really great news and super excited. Yeah, no, um, it's, uh, it's really great. Um, it's, it, it, you probably can see why I've been kind of absent <laughs> the last... That's weird. Ever since Celebration, I feel like life just kind of disappeared in an instant. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, life finds a way, Steve. Yes, um. it does. As as uh, Tessa's, you know, if she could marry somebody other than me, she'd probably want to marry Jeff Goldblum. Actually, I think he gets he gets <laughs> he beats me out. That's exactly you know. Steve. Because what did you give her for her birthday two years ago? The uh, the Velvet Geek uh, classic masterpiece uh, Goldblum shirtless from Jurassic Park Velvet painting. Yeah, it all goes together. It does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. So uh, tune in next uh, next month for Sky's full breakdown uh, of the entire See, Jurassic Park series. I think this should be your first Star Wars Collector's Archive blog post, Sky. I think you could really, <laughs> could really. Uh, the way the camera in the new movie looks at that the older son, it's like, all right, take it easy, and like the whole movie like obsesses on him looking at girls. It's like, what what's going on here? Anyways, <laughs> I just. Save it for the blog, man. Save it for the you blog. Can do it. I'll save yeah. it for the blog. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, everyone celebrates marriage equality in their own way, Steve. Yes. I, I watched Jurassic Park a few times. <laughs> um, I also should mention that this is another month in which our lost episode stays lost. Yes. Yeah, I was wondering, it, is that going to be out before this one? Are we going to do a time warp and go back to Luke Hoth? Or yeah, yeah. No, Luke is lost in 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 Hoth. Okay. Uh, he's been uh, he's been hit off his wampa. <laughs> he's uh, not he's not dead though. He's just he's just no, unconscious he's not dead. somewhere. He's, okay. You know he's doing that. You know Ben thing. <laughs> he's just calling this guy, please. Yeah. Just so, release this stupid episode. <laughs> and so I realized I'm going to release the episode, which is this cool behind the scenes, like behind a, a find of yeah. of, a, of a collection. Yeah. And yeah. it's a really neat episode. And part of that find is a box of like books that they mm -hmm. asked me to ship to them. Just like ground mail, yeah. So when I get around to mailing that, ah, uh, see, that that's, is when that's I will release the episode. That's what's hanging it up. All right, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh man, because I don't want I don't want to look like a flake who doesn't mail things out. I can't release the episode. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, good. Well, I'm glad it's still it's still it, you know it's just dormant. He, he's fine. Yeah, it, right. it will come out, but it's kind of fun having a. An episode in the chamber, so to speak. Yeah. Especially because yeah. you know this summer, um, I'm I'm going to Europe, Steve. Very oh, excited. Really? Yep. Nice. I'm going to going to France and uh, going to Belgium. I'm actually going to be spending Bastille Day in Belgium. Oh, cool. So that's pretty cool. I'm going to get to visit the Ghent altarpiece that my mm -hmm. grandfather saved from the Nazis. Whoa. So, yeah. That's, oh, that's uh, awesome. We've talked about that, right? Yeah. I think we have. Yeah. Anyway, and. Uh, Oh, I think I wrote down here something about July 4th in England. Oh, oh. yeah. Uh, hey, English people, how come I've never met an English person who likes Formula One racing or the Smiths? This is a <laughs> real disappointment, Steve. And on top of that, yeah, anyways. So if you're a British <laughs> listener and you like the Smiths, please let me know because you always disappoint me, you know? Okay. Uh, moving on, Steve. Um, another thing that's going on tomorrow is uh, I'm, I'm trying to like get more friends in the neighborhood. Okay. And uh, there's like this family and like this little girl is like super into Star Wars. She's like 11. Hey. 
but she like knows all the Wikipedia stuff, and she always tries to like quiz me. I never know anything. <laughs> so tomorrow I'm throwing what I'm calling a Star Wars soiree, or hey. a stoire. There you go. So that'll be pretty fun. I'll uh, report on that next month too. Yeah, make, gonna... make sure to take pictures or video or something. <laughs> I gotta. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what it's going to entail. Probably just we're gonna you know use the Wookie Cookie Cookbook. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I might play some games of a tactics. For those of you okay. remember back in two thousand five. <laughs> Everyone's probably going home with a with a loose chewy. <laughs> and, and it's cool too because Steve, I didn't even tell you that the museum is fully functional now. Oh yeah, open yeah. For, for visitors. Open for visitors. It's now a complete room. It's not just a vintage area. Oh cool. Um, I'll put up pictures. I like put up racks and racks and racks, and there's you know Dixie cups and golf club holders and weird posters and cutouts <laughs> and like I basically went into the 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 tough boxes that just yeah. are just filled with junk and just <laughs> emptied them out. Um, because I'm. Well, this is the, this is the most space you've had to work with it so far, right? Yeah, it's an entire room. Okay, yeah. And it's yeah, really, that's great. It's really fun. Like I set it up, and my kids were like, "Wow, Poppy, you actually have a lot of Chewbacca stuff." I, you know, because all they've <laughs> ever seen is vintage, and like I try yeah. to tell them, "There's only so excited a seven-year-old can get by a clipper." <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's true. <laughs> ah, good deal. Yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty exciting. That's kind of tied into. Uh, Project Delta, which I'm not allowed to speak about. Okay, uh, all right. <laughs> some of you may know that there's some secret project going on, but I can't tell you anything more than that. I think that's all. That's all I know. I think I've just I've heard rumblings of a secret project. But. Yes, yes, secret project, Project Delta. Um, Steve, so I've talked a lot. So we're pretty uh, par for the course. I've had nothing to say, and nothing's really happened. And I've talked for 45 minutes. You got engaged, and you've talked for three. <laughs> Uh, it's all, you just gotta, we gotta get our, our bearings, get back into the groove of it. It's fine. Yeah. Well, it's a typical episode. Yeah. So <laughs> that's good. So we're talking about the AT, AT commander. Right. And, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking <laughs> a lot about this figure and I don't, I mean, what do you think, Steve? Who's more boring, the Imperial commander or the AT, AT commander? I, I think I'd have to say the, uh. The Imperial Commander is a little bit more boring. I mean, I personally like them both, but I like boring figures. So, <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, I think something about the sculpt for the the at at Commander, or you know, I'm gonna go at at. We'll just keep it that way. We okay. Can, we can, okay. But uh, I don't know. I think just because it's in that kind of transition phase with all these figures we're in now, where it's just a little bit different, you can see a little more detail, and, and it's weird. The one thing that's strange about him is he seems like he's sculpted a little tinier. He's very dainty in a lot of ways. I don't <laughs> well, know if you've noticed this. Yeah, he's got tiny little CeeLo green hands. Yeah, yeah, like my hands. <laughs> uh, Not no, like your Mr. T hands from the last no, episode. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, no, I was actually, like, when I was starting to put the loose set together, I was really excited to, to find both of those figures together. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd say... If you have to choose one that's more boring, I'll go Imperial Commander. But uh, I don't know. But but you love them both. I do. Yeah. And I, I tried to. I actually. Um, I don't know if I told you, Steve, but I bought the Amazon digital version of the movies. Oh yeah. Which uh, you could probably wait. I mean, if you <laughs> really have to spend hundred bucks for no reason, you can do that. <laughs> wait, but you. I, um, I guess I'm my my. Uh, 
confusion lies in well, what what's so different about them? Is there extra content that's not in the crazy Blu-ray or sort of? Yeah, there's okay. like there's like little things here and there. Some of it's but actually they... really cool. Okay, um, like deleted scenes that are a little bit different. And, uh-huh. I mean, some of it's cool, but anyway. So I, I yeah. was watching the movie again on my computer. Yeah, uh, to try to get a movie thought about okay. the ATAT commander. Yeah, and, and I realized he's actually a pretty cool character. He's, yeah, I mean, he's he's got a lot to do, and yeah, it's like the way that he's framed in the shot. Like, I just I love the ATAT driver so much. Like to yeah. me, that was one of my favorite characters. So I just focused on that. Yeah, but like he doesn't really speak for the first four or five times you see him. I think he just yeah, looks ahead yeah. with that steely look. He's one of the few. Mm-hmm. Imperial people who really looks like he wants to kill rebels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and I think true. he deserves credit for that. So I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm coming around on the ATAT commander. Yeah, no, it's 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 true. I mean, he was the one guy that uh, seemed to not completely disappoint Vader, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> he he, uh, he was successful in blowing up the shield generator, generator and all that, and let Vader do his thing. And so I guess he never. He probably felt like he was in the clear after that for a while. Right. But. Yeah. You know, I prepare to target the main generator. You know, that's one of his great lines. He says, "What <laughs> target maximum quite... firepower?" Or something. Yeah. See, those are those are still cool. They're not. They haven't tipped into the, you know, assembly area. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting close. <laughs> although, you. We're getting close. Although Empire gets a lot of credit for its dialogue, but the the, the imperial guy who says, "Great, our first catch of the day." <laughs> <laughs> what is he a fisherman that's like the worst line remember that with the yeah, transport yeah yeah anyway <laughs> so that that's my movie thought is the ATAT commander is kind of a badass but yeah. um my my kids were looking at me while i was typing it so i just wrote it's kind of a badass zero zero um, <laughs> uh yeah I, i'd agree completely yeah um, I'm looking through my notes, Steve, and also we're going to find out a place where the Star Wars Collector's Archive is wrong. Ooh. Oh, you're sad. right. That's, I, did, I did catch that in an email. Yeah. Um, and, and we're going to actually dive into the mysteries of the dark web because I'm, I'm pretty sure there's something that's part of the dark <laughs> web from the archive. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's funny. Uh, your, your movie thought – I guess – I mean I, I didn't really have a specific script thing, but it's, it's sort of a flipped script. Um, let's hear let's it, Steve. It's getting really, really hot in here. Flip this script. Flip the script. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, looking into it, I guess when the original versions of Empire, General Veers, as, as he was named, uh, was actually meant to die. Um, right after he you know, blows up the generator, one of the uh, rebel pilots says it's like a kamikaze right into the cockpit and kills him. And uh, they actually shot a version of the scene, and it's uh, there's a video of it. I think it's probably taken from one of the Blu-rays or something, where uh, they do like a like a basic animatic of the regular footage cut in, and then they show one of the pilots. I can't remember which one, but he basically pulls like the A-wing pilot stunt from Return of the Jedi and blows like right into the cockpit, and they show a little animatic them blowing up. So I thought that would have been an interesting alternative take on the whole scene because yeah like you were saying he, he's pretty much a badass he does his job and you kind of just assume that he just trounces everyone from there but yeah yeah and he's yeah. he's cool too because i mean i mean that scene is really cool because if you watch the the video that you sent and i'm sure uh, um whichever one of us will include a link to this video yes it's cool because yeah. all the dialogue is out of order it's yeah because you actually watch it he says that the shields will be down way before he blows up the shields yeah and yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it's all kind of jumbled. Um, and that's and that's most of those videos you can find. I don't know if the link direct link will work unless you're a member of the group. But it's that awesome uh, rare vintage photos group that I love. I love that place. Oh yeah, I don't know if I'm a member of that group, Steve. I don't know who I'm a member of, Steve. <laughs> I don't understand anything, Steve. No one talks about Star Wars anymore. Everyone's talking about Star Wars all the time. I don't understand anything. <laughs> It's true. We need like the – anyways, I'm about to get nerdy here. But, but I feel like the Emperor was thrown into the drink and the Empire's in chaos and there's all these little rival factions, Steve. We need a – this show needs to be the first order of Star Wars collecting. <laughs> oh, I boy. I can't deal with all these Facebook deals and just no one's talking to anybody. Yeah, I yeah had, it's crazy. I had a question. I wanted to like raise a point and have a discussion about it and I realized there's nowhere to do it. Yeah, There's nowhere uh, to write a question like, hey, I'm actually curious, you know, uh, how rare are these like Sears the display stands? Yeah. I, can, yeah. I could post it on Rebel Scum and I could watch the tumbleweeds go or yeah. I could post it on Facebook and watch it get buried by 10 pictures of someone's find of a, a loose Maydeen in a yard sale. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, just over the last couple weeks, I finally joined some of the bigger groups, and I like it's weird because I've never seen more vintage Star Wars like in my face all the time. Yeah, but, which is cool. I mean, I get, it's great. It's cool, but I get completely uh, lost in it. It's just, it's I'm not. I haven't adapted yet. I'll, I'll say that. No, there's no center, Steve. We need to be the center. Uh, <laughs> you could be Supreme Leader, Steve. I'll be Skylo Ren, and we'll take a. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Also, I'm wicked into, like, Star Wars spoilers. So, I, I can tell. Yeah. Uh, so Steve, you know, Steve's best friend is Brock, and he's wicked into him. And so Brock he's and I, way into it, yeah. We're, well, we're, like, the same level, so we, like, text each other little, like, spoiler <laughs> stuff all the time, Steve, without you, behind your back while you're getting married. Oh, um, man. It's funny. He'll, he'll send me messages like, can I tell you this? I'm like, no. I, <laughs> just like, what about this? Like, no. No, I'm just going to try and avoid as much as I can because it's going to hit us all over the head within, you know, a few months here. Yeah. <laughs> but I, all right, Supreme Leader Steve, that's, <laughs> why don't we just keep the, isn't it like Snope or Snoke or what Snoke, is it? yeah. Okay, we, we call me just Sneeve if you want to. <laughs> Sneeve, there you go. <laughs> hey, 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 Snoke leads every day. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I, that was a random rant, but uh, <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. We gotta get it out there. I went to the Facebook thing saying it's okay. I accept it. It's good, but it's frustrating not actually having a place to talk. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's why we have to have this and the and the uh, you know guys over in England. Um, <laughs> okay. So Steve, the the whole thing was uh, random rants about the state of the hobbyist side. Yes. I actually tried to think, how can I make the ATAT more interesting? Oh, I mean, it's a pretty well-loved thing, but there are ways you can, you know, I'm sure there are paths you could take. Well, I had some thoughts, Steve. Okay. First of all, we haven't really talked about its premier card back or its offer. We haven't really no. talked about the offer, the 45 back. Right. I don't think we need to talk about that, except to raise the point that if you play a lot of Blockus and you look at the back of the display arena, mm -hmm. it's like it's very much like a like the Blockus shapes. And <laughs> I would like to come up with a game of vintage Blockus, which That's would be good. That's gonna be the next archive party, right? <laughs> that would that would be great. Next archive party. Um, that and 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 I want and I just walk around with Maze Windu saying, "Pilot, please <laughs> land over there in that dis dis in that display arena." Um, 
<laughs> so we can do, say that for another time because there's a couple more 45 back debut yeah. cards left. Yeah, that's I'd true. like to do that with the Black Bespin guard because that's okay. one of my personal favorites. Yeah. And then I yeah. thought, Steve, of course, we have to have AT-AT Commander on the vehicle that he's featured in, right? I mean, <laughs> when you think of Star Wars packaging and you think of the AT-AT Commander, of course, what vehicle is he on, Steve? The AT-AT. <laughs> no, Steve, he's not. He's not? He's oh, not wait. on the AT-AT, Steve. Hold on a second. Are you thinking mini rig? That's right, Steve. He's on the, the uh, INT4. Right, right. That's that's his rig. Yeah, that's right. You never really you're right. He's I I looked all over the place because I, I actually did a fair amount of research. I mean, like every month <laughs> I did a fair amount of research. <laughs> um I contacted Canada's greatest know it all beforehand. Yes, we're yes. like, we're set. Um but I realized like he even when they redid it for the Andor box in the yeah, Jedi. He, he was uh noticeably absent. Noticeably absent. So as far as I can tell, the only things he's appeared on are the INT4, which we can talk right. about a little bit, and the Rebel Command Center. Yes, um, yes. So I think we can talk about the Rebel Command Center, the INT4, the, the Hoth display, and the AT-AT, just because like, these are all things that are floating around. And I think we get a little too figure-centric. It's true. It's very true. Um, so yeah, I, I'm completely on board with that. So good. Uh, in that case, let us get to the... Wait a minute, Steve. I don't want to get to the news yet. Okay. Do you know why? Is it time to call somebody? It's time to call somebody. I'm holding a book in my hand called Coining a Galaxy by James <laughs> Gallo and Mark Salati. And I used it for reference for some reason. I don't remember what. Last month. And I, I emailed Mark and James. And I was yeah. like, I just want to say again what a great book it is. And they were like, that's great. And James kind of mentioned that he didn't appear on the show and that he'd only ever been on the show for like some other reason. And like, it was this really, it was kind of this, uh, this kind of funny thing where I was trying to compliment them, but in complimenting them, I, it became <laughs> clear that I actually probably should have been paying them more respect the whole time. All right. So yeah. that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> So I'd like to call him and talk to him because we've talked. We talked coins in episode three, two. Yeah, I think it was probably three. Yeah, two or three. And so I thought, let's talk to James. Let's talk about like, like coin, like the whole stages of the coins, right? That'd be fun. Okay. And then let's talk about the ATAT co uh, commander coin. coin. Right. Yeah. Which Steve. Does that exist? Is there an ATAT Commander coin? You would know if you looked through this book today when you didn't know the answer to that question. <laughs> so let's call James. He's at his shop, the Toy Heaven. And uh, and before we start talking about the Commander and the and the, the Int and the ATAT, would that be <laughs> funny if I called it the Int instead of the INT? Okay. Uh, let's talk to James Gallo a little bit about coins. Don't know that. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, Steve, we can hear you. Okay, all right, thank God. Phew. Anyways, James, <laughs> uh, I just hit record because I want everyone to hear how happy we are. Um, <laughs> 
We just recorded the, the intro that everyone just heard, and it was a particularly good intro based on me withholding information from Steve and it being kind of a surprise. Mm-hmm. And so us having to re-record it would have meant having to fake the surprise, but it worked. We got you on the phone, James. Everything is just perfect. How, how are you doing, James? I'm good. How are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, much better. <laughs> yeah, much better. So you said that you're in the shop. What shop is that, James? Uh, my, uh, store, Toy and Comic Heaven. Toy and Comic Heaven, and that's, uh, uh in Philadelphia, New Jersey? Where is that? Uh, outside Philadelphia, suburb of Philly. Okay, suburb of Philly in Pennsylvania? Yes. Okay. That is where Philadelphia is. I know it is. I meet all these people, James, who say that they're from Philly, and then I say where, and then they say New Jersey. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do that. It's, it's kind of fake. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like it's like saying I'm from New York, but I actually live, you know, across the bridge in New Jersey. Right. It, yeah. It doesn't really work. No. Right. Well, good, Steve. We don't have any New Jersey fans, do we? Uh, not off the top of my head. Maybe uh, Alvarez. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't listen to the show except to get angry if we mention him. So that's good. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Well, I, I told the story, James, about how I emailed you about how great your book was, and then you re- reminded me <laughs> we never really talked about it on the show, or we only talked about it with Mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is surprising, considering Mark's in Australia, and, you know, I'm, you know, <laughs> three hours away. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's it's part of our dynamic, James. I always feel like I'm somehow pissing you off, so... If uh, I have to keep that up in order to keep our uh, our long-standing relationship working here. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, last month or two months ago, whatever, we were we were celebrating the release of Matthias's book and just getting all jazzed about it. And for some reason, I, I had to reference your book, and it's just it made me so happy that that it exists because I have so many. Like I, I know so neck. I know basically nothing about coins. Steve, do you feel like you know much? Uh, I mean some, but I mean the things like this book is what you just have it right there, and it's just so much easier. It's, it's uh, is it still for sale, James? It, it is still for sale, and we actually are running a little special currently, where uh, you know we did Mark and I did. A little coin for celebration, and some people were asking about it after the fact, and we decided that we would bundle the coin with the book. So currently, if you um, order the book and you email me directly and tell me, hey, you know, I want those coins, you get my coin and Mark's coin along with the book. That's pretty sweet. Are you going to shrink wrap it? No, it is not shrink wrap. (laughs) I just pop them in there and, you know, little baggies. Well, just just hear me out, James. Now, if you want to get collectors to buy your book two and three times, go out and get a shrink wrapper. Say you're selling shrink wrapped versions, and then it, it, I would buy an extra like one. an exclusive Japanese version. Exactly, an exclusive <laughs> yeah, Japanese version. Because <laughs> that's one of the things you can learn about in your book, right? About the yeah, the exclusive yeah. Japanese. Uh, well, t- tell me what what is the don't tell me what page number it is, but what is it that you'll learn about the the Japanese coin offer? James. Well, so the Japanese, ironically, did not get the Power of the Force coins um, in the Power of the Force packaging. They got them uh, in a funky, shrink-wrapped combo Return of the Jedi carded figure with a coin glued to it that was then shrink-wrapped. So what they did was they took a piece of cardboard, put it behind the carded figure, just a blank piece of cardboard. They glued 
an appropriate coin, which was very interesting because it took a lot of forethought to say, hey, this is a Leia Bausch, let's put it on a Leia Bausch, you know, card and figure. And they did that. The coins, you know, matched the figures, and then they shrink wrapped the whole thing. Wow. So uh, they're, they're rather difficult to find, and, uh, you know, you, you don't see them turn up too often. And ironically, the ones that do turn up uh, tend to be some of the rarer ones, a Leia Bausch, Credo, um, Leia Original, or just some of the ones, Boba Fett, um, the Boba Fett ones, rather, rather cool. There's a couple of those out there. So, uh, so those are like the more rare coins that are also on the very rare Japanese. And it's Sakuda. How do you pronounce that, Steve? I think it's Sakuda, right? Yeah, Sakuda. Yeah, that, that, sure. That sounds right. So, what part is glued? Is the is the, the white coin paper? is is like a fixed to it? It might just be tape, like right. double sided tape, but. Um, yeah, I don't know that I know anybody that's necessarily tried to rip one apart. So <laughs> right. we'll just go with a fix. It's a fix right. to the with, uh, the package. With adhesive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there'll be one open on the next episode of Toy Hunter. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, did you see that, Steve? There's something I, about. I, uh, I did uh, see that. <laughs> did you know the story about that, James? I have no idea what that's all about because the show's been over. So I, I, I'm all confused about that. Yeah, someone on Facebook posted a picture of Jordan uh, from Toy Hunter opening up a, a boxed Leia toy. Well, um, it's a 12-inch Leia doll, but I, I don't, I don't I understand like that a... because it's, the show's been over for like – ironically, I was on the very last episode of the show. So I don't wow. know uh, what's going on there because it was not renewed. Uh-oh, the Gallo curse. Yeah, I guess that's, you know, probably not a good idea. Apparently, my TV appearances are not so good. Uh, I, I see. I don't. I've still only seen like an episode and a half. So, how do we track those down? Okay, that's a whole other question. Uh, Capcast at gmail dot com. If you have like a DVD of all the shows, because I, I I enjoyed it. But uh, okay, so getting back to Sakuda. So then, all the rare and interesting ones that everyone wants is out there. Like the B-Wing pilot, Steve. <laughs> the rare and interesting. There, there is Maybe. a B-Wing pilot. There is, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. It's, it's on, my, on my list someday, maybe. If you look on page 61 of Coining a Galaxy, there's all the known Sakuda releases. Yep. Yeah, he's one of, the B-Wing pilot is one of the more common ones, but That's unfortunately <laughs> in this universe, common is, is rather uh, rare, so. Yeah, yeah, that's a relative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I do not own an example, unfortunately. So if anybody wow. you know, has one they want to get rid of, now do you, got me fine. Now, what, what do you think, as an example, I mean, let's not go with the FET, but do you think a B-Wing pilot Sakuda would go for, you know, four figures? Uh, if it was still sealed and in yeah. good shape, mm, well, yeah, probably these days. Ugh. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind yeah. of a yeah. That's a bummer. Austin, you can yeah, have something in your that, collection dude. worth more than forty dollars. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. As everyone knows, Steve's collection is way better than mine. Um, actually, people do people know that, Steve? It's not it's true. Now. It's yeah. not true, dude. It's so true. You're just like you're Stephen, but deadly. But man, you totally yeah. Anyways, um, all right. So then, returning to the book, I don't know if this is a good idea. Steve, what do you think? Do you think it's a good idea to talk about the idea of of uh, of 
a, a coin from sort of creation and the sort of different steps? Because I don't think we did that when we talked about coins uh, 61 episodes ago. Yeah, I feel like we've probably touched on different bits of it over time, but um, I don't think it's a bad idea to get a quick kind of overview of the whole thing. Right. So, so what I'd like to do then is just imagine, because... Um, James, you'll be amazed by my knowledge of coins. Uh, I was looking through your book earlier today trying to find the AT-AT Commander coin. Um, and one thing you will learn by purchasing this book is that that coin does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> it, it skips right from, uh, right from Anakin to Amenaman to AT-ST Driver. Um, but there is a, an AT-AT coin. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was just trying to imagine, like, if we could imagine... How did that coin get made? What were the different stages that might theoretically exist to reach this coin on page 33 of Coining a Galaxy? Um, first of all, may I please read what they say about the AT-AT? Sure. I was probably going to tell you that, but you're, you're welcome to read it. Okay. Then why don't you read it because you have a better radio voice. And then, Steve, you can check it for accuracy. Is this really, does this really describe an AT-AT? Go, <laughs> go ahead, James. Um, well, I just kind of know relative... Oh, you're talking about the text on the back? Yes. Okay, I thought you were talking about the actual purpose of the coin. No. Okay, then I'll, I'll read you the text. Highly trained armed fighter carries out orders with swiftness and determination. <laughs> is, is an AT-AT trained? Well, <laughs> it's like a, so actually, which page did you read that from? 33. Of yeah, so I'm going to school your ass. Okay, good. Um, you just read the alternate at that back. Oh, snap. <laughs> there it is. That, that was not really the produced one. So the one that most people are going to have are going to say, dreaded armored four-legged machines manned by Imperial pilots used to attack on the rebel, you know, used to attack in, used in attack on rebels on Hoth. Ah. So that, that probably makes that's, more sense. That's than, a little more accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I like the vagueness of the other one. It's very yeah. vague. Well, but there was a purpose for that vagueness. Yeah, yeah. They were. They had intended on um, using that coin on multiple characters. Uh, so by leaving okay. it vague, they would be able to, you know, use it on more than one figure. Okay, oh. so that that back would then be applied to like. The Imperial Gunner or a Stormtrooper, that, that kind well, of thing. Well, probably the Adat Driver. Well, yeah, well, not, not the Power of the Force characters, but just other, you know, Imperial characters. Right. They, they yeah. did a similar thing with the Sail Skiff and Sail Bargebacks, where there's some vagueness there, and they were intending to use those for, you know, Weequay and Klaatu, and, you know, you could use one coin yeah. to re- represent multiple characters. And you'd get more bang for your buck as far as, um, you know, your production costs versus what, um, what was, it was used for. So you wouldn't have to make, you know, whatever. Instead of making 100 coins, you only had to make 85 coins. So you saved X number of dollars by, you know, doubling up on a handful of coins. And it was only a handful that they, you know, it would only work for something like skiff guards, and something like Imperial kind of, you know, the yeah. grunts of the universe. Right. Now, Steve, I, I, I just am looking at this now, uh, realizing my mistake. Uh, I mean, the thing I did intentionally for more dynamic podcasting. Uh, <laughs> because it also refers to the sail barge as an unscrupulous fortune hunters. 
<laughs> so there you go. The cell barge is an unscrupulous fortune hunters. <laughs> yeah, see the the training for the the walker it goes with our our armored dog theme. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, they also um they were going to use uh, the falcon too, and they were going to use that for the nine numb and uh, Admiral okay. Akbar and. Um, things like that where it was like, well, wait a minute, there is still vagueness here, too, because, you know, are we really going to make an Admiral Akbar coin? I mean, I mean, really, you know, I know Brock would have been excited, but I think he would have been the only one in the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so good. So then let's go to the actual ATAT coin, which is in your book, uh, a C, which would be uncommon. So we talked a little bit about commonness before. I think that's mostly what we talked about with Mark, not the actual yeah, construction. Yeah. Right. Um, but just, uh, James, out of, out of the top of your head, what would you put as a, as a ballpark for uh, an ATAT coin right now? As far as value? Yeah. Man, the, the coins are wacky. They, they can be all over the map price-wise. So um, when we, you know, I thought that it was, you know, important to have a guide uh, for prices in the back of the book. Um, Mark didn't think that it was, you know, necessary, but um, he came around after I talked him into it. And, you know, it very much is a guide, something to just go on and go by. And, you know, since the book has come out, coin prices have shifted dramatically. So it really is kind of just a vague starting point for people um, unfortunately, yeah, there's no other really good way of tracking stuff beyond just, you know, doing it yourself and watching eBay auctions and, and things like that. But, um, you know, an ADAC coin is probably one of those coins that has not dramatically shifted too, too much. Um, you know, it, it's definitely not an easy coin, but it's also not an overly difficult coin um, to get from that standpoint. So um, it was in our book at 75 to 100. Well, that, that's low these days. It's probably mm -hmm. more um, somewhere in the two to $300 range maybe. Right. And then the, the highly trained text you quote at 1,000 plus. So I just assume that those are just so rare that that might be two or 3,000, right? Yeah, that's probably two or 3,000 these days. There's been a couple of sales um, of those since since the book has come out, um, you know, at, at the time we had done the book, those coins just weren't around. They weren't they weren't to be had. You know, you mm. just you couldn't get them. Um, there's been some that have turned up since, and some sales that have turned up. And you know, you're pretty much right on there in that two to three thousand range. But realistically, it, it is a a buyer's market, and it's really just a matter of what somebody is going to pay for one, um, you know, and if they have one that's even available for them to purchase. Because a lot of times, um, these things just aren't aren't around. I mean, they're they're pretty rare. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of times it just comes down to well, you have a chance to get it. Spend the money if you want it. Otherwise, you know, who knows when you may see one again. Um, you know, most of those coins is probably, if there's a couple of dozen, that would be a lot. And when you compare it to, you know, Luke Hoff coin, which is considered one of the big rare 
um, super expensive coins these days. Uh, it's a minuscule amount, but because the demand shift is there, um, you know, people are trying to collect the basic 62 coin set. You don't get the same uh, value transition that you would otherwise have gotten if, you know, that was just as a rare coin. I mean, realistically, there is no basic 62 coin that is as rare as any of those often of backs. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, all right, good. Well, Steve, I, I got them all off track. We're supposed to be talking about the production process. So I, I almost feel like we should do like one of those little read-along books and like, like, ding, to turn the page. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. If you're uh, if you're looking at coining a galaxy, we'll we'll be starting here basically at page ten. So let's imagine how does the ATAT coin get made? What's the, what's the first stage, James? Well, the first stage on any of these coins is probably going to be some type of sketch or drawing. Um, that's going to probably be your your initial stage. From that, they're going to go into a sculpting stage. Um, sometimes they were done in wax. Uh, sometimes they were done in plaster, um, depending on who the sculptor was and depending on, you know, whatever medium they chose to use. Uh, it did vary. There are examples of both, um, you know, mediums being used. So that would be where that would go. And then, now, quick question. Where, where were the sketches made? Were these made at Kenner? So uh, that's something that, you know, is kind of one of these gray areas that you will probably find out more if there is a coin in the galaxy, too. Ooh, mm-hmm. electric boogaloo. Um, you know, there, there may be some additional information at that point in time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for a very long time, um, you know, we just didn't have the answer to that question. Wow, Steve, he's being he's being very secretive, like Project Delta. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so then it would be sculpted uh, in. Did he say wax or urethane, Steve? Is that what he said? Uh, you're, you're, you got one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plaster. There you go. Ding. Yeah. Page eleven. Okay. And this is not the text. This would be just the just the artwork based off. I mean, would they like put the I mean, because the, the sculpting is so efficient and so it's so accurate. How did they get the drawing to look so much like the, the sculpture or vice versa? Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the designers used a light box. Okay. Um, that was definitely one of the means that they used um, to get that sculpture. But, I mean, just like any other sculpture, you know, for the most part, they're all going to start from some type of basic um, image. So, you know... The, the people that sculpted this stuff, I mean, it, unfortunately, is really a lost art. Um, and, you know, they, they were just able to sculpt stuff, you know, without any problem. I mean, it's just one of those things that, you know, that's what they did. They, right. Yeah, they <laughs> sat down and they had some reference photos. and Yeah, 10,000 10, hours of sculpting. a Luke Skywalker <laughs> figure. Yeah. All right, sweet. So then either plaster or wax, and then with this look different depending on plaster or wax? It, 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 to some degree, but, you know, on, on the surface, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't notice too much of a difference. Um, sometimes, 
there would be more damage done to one over the other um, from the, the next stage of the production process if it wasn't if, if the pull wasn't done well enough you might have some damage to it um, the plaster ones tend to chip um, so it, yes I mean there would be some level of differences but for the the average person you're probably not going to have a huge difference um, in in appearance um, on them in that for that stage no okay so then either wax or plaster uh, and and uh, Steve do you want to like add some kind of humor or levity to this whole thing <laughs> you're asking the wrong person probably okay and then what's the <laughs> See, next stage we know that uh, James <laughs> next stage after that well they make a um, a mold off of that um off of the sculpt, and they make a tooling master. So then they, so they um, make the sculpt. Stage one hard copy, essentially. A mold, so like they would like pour stuff into the sculpt, and then that would they take it away, and that would make a sort of negative image mold. Uh, the stage one is yes, negative, 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 yes. As it says on page 12, flat right. negative <laughs> copy of Sculpt is sometimes referred to as a stage one hard copy. Now, where, where did this come from, the stages? Is this just like Gus came up with it like 20 years ago? or No, I think that that came actually out of um, maybe Osborne at the time or, you know, one of the early contacts where one of the large majority of coin stuff Initially, it had turned up. Um, there was a decent groupings of stuff that had turned up prior to the last couple of years. So, um, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that, you know, because it's somewhat confusing to try and differentiate between the stage one and the stage two, um, one is concave and one is convex, meaning one is curved inward and one is curved outward. Um, in, the, in the simple way of saying it, um, that's and one was used before the other, so you know, kind of in, in you know, stage one, stage two, stage three type of order um, that would you know also lend towards it, um, you know. But that that would be my guess. I don't actually have a specific final answer for you on that, but um, it may be one of those lovely terms that. The collector market is created, right. uh, but but my gut is that that is actually a um, an industry term as opposed to a hobby term. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. So that would be a stage two hard copy, but that's in between the stage one and the stage two is the floppy rubbers, which is like the big find that CJ found that was on episode I don't know forty something or fifty or. It was in the it was in the forties, <laughs> probably in the forties. At some point, he talked about finding those back in Cincinnati. The, the um, Han Hoth, the Han Hoth episode. That yeah, the Han Hoth episode, and that's where we discovered yeah. that they were called rubbers, and then we laughed, and then and then I think <laughs> and then I think James said that yeah, that was in the book, and didn't you read the book? And I said uh, I read it, I just didn't pay attention. Um, <laughs> well, the thing is, it's a really rich book, James. That's one thing I will say. Every time I look at it, I feel like I learned something new. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, so then that gets us through page 13. Well, so the, we discussed the rubbers, but why were the rubbers created again? So they needed that 
because they needed they needed the rubbers to make a positive hard copy. Okay, so you know how it so actually. Each one is looked. negative right. in order to get to a positive hard copy, which is what they would have needed for the panograph to tool it. They needed to get that extra stage in there. Right, and they didn't just do the wait panograph. Okay, ooh, we have a vintage vocab, Steve. I've never even heard the term <laughs> panograph before. Okay. <laughs> Um, all right, so we, let's do a vintage vocab of panograph, Steve. Okay. It's vintage. Okay, so you said they needed a positive version to panograph. I sort of have an idea of what that might mean, but what is a so panograph? A panograph machine basically traces the image and sizes it down, which is why the coins are called uh, six to one, similar how the micro figures are four to one. Uh, they would take that detailed image and basically trace it and cut it into a die. Okay, so they needed these rubber soft copies because they were the positive image to panograph. Obviously, you're not going to panograph the sculpt because that's well, it too valuable. It wouldn't last. Right. The sculpt would obviously. It wouldn't yeah. last. So then, were there multiples made of these rubbers for multiple? No, because the rubber essentially became like a backup, and it wouldn't really. Um, yeah, it's rubber. It's silicone rubber. So. Right. You're you're pretty good that it's not gonna um, get destroyed in this process. So okay, so then on page fourteen, bing, we have a description of the pantograph machine. Yeah. So that that takes the detail. All right, so then that scales it down from six to one, and then yeah. at some point the text is put on. I don't. When's that put on? Is that that's so, put on at this point? Depending on which company. Okay. They did it in different ways. Um, that's not something we really went into to a high degree because we didn't have um, a ton of information from Worldwide Mint at that time. Um, since the publication of the book, we've gotten a lot more information from Worldwide and how they went about doing things. So, um, again, potentially more information on that in Quentin the Galaxy book, too. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, Osborne used an etching plate um, where they basically uh, laid out the text and, you know, had basically a steel sheet um, that they used, and everything got in etched into that before it got etched into the, uh, the die. Right, and then the die is the thing that actually strikes the coin. Correct. So then that's – it would be a reverse image – Right? Yes. And so that would be a little thing that stamps down into the metal to produce the image of the coin right. on, on each side. Yep. Okay. You're and then you have there. a coin? Is that it, Steve? <laughs> yeah, essentially. They it, jump it, ahead from 14, 15, 16. It seems to me that there's a lot in Coin the Galaxy 2 sort of in between pages 14 and 15 that's going to be thrown on here. Is that, is that correct, James? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll, have to, we'll have to see how things play out there. 
Well, this is good, Steve. Much like it took me probably three or four years of doing the show to actually understand uh, the toy production process on any real level. Um, <laughs> I feel like this this is finally a time where I sort of understand the role of the rubber a little bit better. Yeah, so, I mean, one thing we didn't, I don't think, include in the book is, um, and it would to some degree make things a little easier, is if you saw a full series of one coin. Right. Um, yeah. And, and there are a couple of them, you know, we tried to put uh, a variety of images as opposed to just, you know, all Kazaban. Um, but I think to some degree it would have been helpful to somebody to see, um, you know, a full sequence of, of coins uh, to see how they were really done. Right. But I don't know. I, th I think if you, I think if you spend the time, it makes sense. Um, you know, if you actually like, look at it, it makes sense. But yeah, I think sometimes having just one one character all the way through. So there are people who have an entire run of a coin from sculpt all the way uh, through. <clears throat> yeah, there aren't many. Um, most of any of this vintage Star Wars stuff is generally limited by the sculpt. I think there's roughly around twenty coin sculpts. So, you know, you have to deal with with well, is that sculpt around. Okay, well, the sculpt's around. Well, what about, you know, stage one, the stage two, soft copy, you know, but there are stuff that um, will go back to artwork, uh, although they are, you know, the artwork is is very, very, very rare um, for the most part. There isn't artwork on hardly anything. Um, the Kezaban run is, is intact. The Snowtrooper run, I believe, is intact. Maybe the Falcon run. I mean, there's literally a handful. Handful, yeah. Um, but can you account for that? And part of it is just you know, when things turned up, when things didn't turn up, whether they were part of this find or that find. And, um, you know, for the most part, um, the dies are also the other, I guess, limiting thing. Um, and they, they can be difficult, although a good amount of the dies did turn up from the, the Osborne and the Worldwide Mint finds last year or two years ago, whenever they were. So, I mean, the, the dyes became more available, uh, whereas they probably would have been, you know, the second limiting thing after the sculpt. Right. So, trying to deal with, with two issues there, and it makes it difficult. I like the way you put that, James, limiting. That's yeah. an interesting way of thinking about really rare items. Yeah. Just kind of limiting a run, like not, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. that, that, that's realistically what it comes down to. I mean, people think they can just click their heels together and get something, and when in fact most of these things have some very limiting characteristic where it's just like, well, no, you can't just do that because it doesn't work that way. You, you, you know, for whatever reason, um, this or that, it's just not accessible. It's not available. Maybe it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it was very, very fortunate that the Worldwide Mint uh, gentleman owner saved what he saved. Um, and then even so, Osborne really only saved the dies. So there is, you know, a very limited, well, wasn't only the dies, but a much more limiting uh, group of stuff that came out of Osborne and that probably is a result of the, you know, the reasoning for that is absolutely that um, 
you know, all that stuff had kind of been in the collector's market already to some degree. So um, it wasn't so much that Osborne didn't keep it. It was already out there. Osborne kept the dies because that was really where they saw the value and where they saw, you know, this is what you paid us to do and this is, you know, our thing. And, you know, they're a coin manufacturing company. That's what they do. Um, and, and the die is the end result of the coin. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's the big part to them. Right. Well, good, Steve. I think we're going to keep one piece of vintage vocab. I'm intentionally not looking here because it's always better when I actually don't know something. So don't tell me, James. Don't tell me the difference between a hob and a die because we're going to save that for another episode. I, I still yeah, don't know. Yeah, that's so, also something that will probably be readdressed in, you know, number two. Good. So, second, so, second edition, yeah. yeah so yeah. When, when CAG 2 comes out, uh, you'll have to come on. You call it, you call it you CAG, just come right? up with that? Yeah, I just came up with that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when CAG 2 comes out, uh, you'll have to come on the show and tell me the difference between a hob and a die. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, Steve, you basically knew all that, right? Uh... Generally, yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of details in there, but I mean, it gets really detailed when you get into the real nitty gritty of it. But that was that's the basic understanding I had. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. Well, we we all want we want our audience to be just as informed as I am. That's that's the goal. <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, is your is your store still open, James? Or are you just like uh, kicking around? No, I'm just. Uh trying to catch up on some late night uh, activity here so yeah it's uh do you sell more comics or toys uh it's a it's a pretty even split ish you know i i, I got a lot of everything in here so um yeah filled it up pretty quick and just trying to uh, get people in to take a look around and see what they might uh, be interested in taking home yeah Awesome. What well, it's uh are you still at toyheaven.com or do you just want people to be look you up on Facebook or whatever? Uh well toy and comic heaven dot com. Uh, oh it's is, now Toy and Comic Heaven? Yes, 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 because that is that is the name so now. Toy and Comic Heaven. Yep. And then uh, you know, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and Oh, well, he's know. with the times. Wow, he's hip. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, He's hip yeah, like I'm your trying. fiance, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's all over Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I still find it fun to call it Instantagram the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure what I do. I just press a couple of buttons and stuff appears. <laughs> that's the that's the scary part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome, James. Well, we have a lot of int four to discuss on this month's episode, so we should uh, we should probably let you go. Sounds good. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you boys. Yeah. yeah thanks for and coming we'll, on, James. We'll talk to you next time. I'll try and find some way to offend you to uh, to make the next episode uh, work well. Yeah. Always a pleasure. <laughs> All right, cool. Take care, guys. See you. Phew. That was good, Steve. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Mainly that the, realizing I didn't... Oh, man. When I thought that I lost our intro... Oh, I I was so sad. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, that was uh, well, I, I got the old man's. <laughs> I realized I didn't even get to the sky coup. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, I, I, oh. the, the other thing is that with the sort of downfall of Rebel Scum, 
I don't really know <laughs> what news is anymore. Sure. Are, we, are, we, are we reached the downfall level? <laughs> well, I don't really know if – yeah. Um, well, they're not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> I, um, the, I, the, there's no real news. So yeah, you have to you have to really look in certain places to to kind of you know keep an eye on what's going on. There's a lot that happened that I mean I probably am usually pretty <laughs> ignorant to begin with, but I'd right. say there were some big stories that I had kind of missed until after the fact. Well, I think a lot of it's going to go on our market watch. Um, yeah, a lot yeah, of stuff yeah. that happened happened uh, in uh, in the market. Yes, uh, including uh, yeah, yours truly missing out on a grail. Oh, um, no. That's well, not good. We'll talk about that in the market yeah, we'll, watch. Yes, we will. Keeping. But uh, I missed the Skyku at the beginning. <laughs> we, can't, we can't miss that. We can't All miss right. the Skyku. It'll be out of place. But, hey, who cares? You know? if I, and if we uh, don't get the wing dings, who cares? It's like I don't have a meat lover's pizza in the trunk. <laughs> um, so I decided not to force two Skykus. Oh, um, After okay. the resounding success of the Skyku's at the archive party. Yes, yes. Raising uh, what, over like $700, I think. Yeah, I think at least that much. If Maybe not even more. a thousand. Yeah, I mean, because you had like a dozen of them out there. Yeah, I had a dozen and, and they yeah. sold. I, that no, was, I, I was so bummed I like didn't ever, I wanted to get one. I just I just lost track. And But I will, one day, I hope to have one of those. <laughs> Well, the cool thing is, I so far I haven't made any extras. You know, I haven't okay. I haven't made they're any still... to give to people, or I've made one for myself, or anything like they're, that. They're true one offs. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to keep them one offs, or at least just only for the charity thing at yeah. the archive party. I'm hoping yeah. it, it kind of builds up into a thing. Yeah. So I'm actually pretty pretty happy with my Skyku this month. <clears throat> veers, veers near, my dear. AT-AT Commander, bringing winter death. <laughs> oh, that first line, I, <laughs> that, that, is, that, is, uh, that is magic. Yes, Veers Veers near, my dear. That, that, that was... Uh... You must have had a, a huge grin on your face once that, that hit the paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was sitting, <laughs> um, let's see, the kids were building their Jurassic Park uh, Legos. Uh-huh. Uh, they got the uh, Indominus Rex. Which, by the way, oh, just because sometimes we talk about new toys. Yes. The Indominus Rex Lego is one mm-hmm. of the most satisfying toys on the market. It's one oh, of the most yeah? satisfying toys I've ever played with. Because you know how I love, like, good jaw mechanisms? Like, it clicks yes, right. Yes, uh, you, do, you do like those, yes. Uh, <laughs> hey, baby, I like a good <laughs> jaw mechanism. Um, <laughs> like, it clicks just right, and it turns, and it's posable in the right way. It's like a $130 set. Yeah, I was saying, what's the, the going rate for, for Legos man, these days? It is, a, it is a great toy. So anyways, I was sitting there kind of playing with the Indominus Rex, watching... Uh, Empire Strikes Back, trying to get uh, inspired, yeah. and then I wrote yep. that down. And, and my son was like, "What's Veers?" I'm like, "Oh, this General Veers." He's like, "Oh, that's cool." <laughs> <laughs> uh, right on. Uh, well done. You you haven't lost your your touch in these you know quiet months. <laughs> no, no, they haven't. Um, so uh, let's just sort of not even talk about news. Yeah, I mean, I was the biggest thing that I thought. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, we could talk in the market. So if yeah. there's other other topics of discussion, I'm all for it. Well, I I did want to say, you know, I, I continue to listen to Rebel Force Radio. Yep, and I, and I do too. Actually, did you hear their conversation about the vintage uh, mailaways? 
Um, was it pretty recent? Yeah, it was probably two weeks ago. Okay, I might, I might not be that caught up yet, but Anyways, no. this is a call to our our uh, Photoshop friends. Okay. To make because uh, uh, you know they they love vintage, but they they don't study it like we do. You know, so they're trying to figure out what were the figures that were included in the mail aways. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Jason Twank said, uh, "Yeah, yeah, there was a there was a Maydean mail away." And he was like really insistent talking about the Maydean offer that was on cardbacks. So if someone could just make a Maydean oh, offer, I think that would look really cool. Maybe put it on a Lobot cardback, something cool like that. Or just design the offer and like we could yeah, make see, little like, stickers. What I was thinking was we could like make stickers like that and like we could make it and we could sort of like be our way of sort of thanking Rebel Force Radios. Every once in a while I'll give them a Maydean sticker yeah. vintage thing. Yeah, that's that's a great idea, and I'm, I'm sure Brock would want that on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Maydean offer. So I don't know how what it would look like. You know, would it be the yellow and blue, the starburst? Um, oh, I guess I guess uh, we can call this a contest. Yeah, there you go. We could, we could go that route, which just means Jared will probably do it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but who knows what would a Maydean display offer look like? <laughs> um, so send that to. Well, this is the other problem, Steve. Right. <laughs> like feedback, I mean, yeah. I don't even think we're going to have feedback this month because we, we didn't get yeah. any feedback. We're still getting the downloads. That's true. Yeah. Uh, um, one guy, David, he said he wanted to meet us at the party, but he couldn't find us. So that's a bummer because he said his kid liked it when I burped. So, <laughs> hey, anyone who likes that one episode where I burped is good with me. Um, <laughs> but we had like two comments on on rebel scum and then facebook is like five different places so yeah we got an odd comment on the blog that man, when we get to feedback okay. remind me I'll, I'll pull it up it's uh like we go like harkens back to those funny spam ones we scan on the old website mm. that i used to love <laughs> mm. uh, we'll get there cool so basically what i thought was let's just talk more about these things you know um so steve i, I kind of reach this thing. Now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send this over to you. Okay. It's um, <laughs> always a scary scary thought. <laughs> well no, it's uh it's just kind of a funny thing because I want to start our talk about the about the INT four. Okay. And I just want to give you the, the the location on the dark web where you can find this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No HTTP, no www. It is this. <laughs> Neurology dot med dot ohio dash state oh yes. dot edu slash user slash archive slash image dash catal da I mean uh, I mean um users slash images dash catal slash eighty two dash DEPT dash three dot JPG. Wow. Like, I, I love this old archive stuff. Yeah, that is... Oh, I think that must have been something that John Wooten was doing. That's what I'm assuming, yeah. That's past. like archaeology like, right there. Yeah, it's like archaeology. <laughs> and, it, and it takes you... <clears throat> see, I think you actually sent me a picture of this anyway. Oh. Um, to, uh, or maybe not, but a picture of the, the mini rigs that came with... Uh, special figures, like figures okay. packed in. Right. And that was a way to get the AT-AT commander was in the INT-4. 
Okay. And uh, so, anyways, you can you can go there and you, you see it in this 1982 uh, department catalog uh, where you see that. So we'll put that picture up there. Okay. Um, but that's one way that the AT-AT commander is interesting. What do you think of the uh, of the INT four, Steve? It was one of the first mini rigs that I bought. I think when I was trying to actually collect, I got it from like a comic shop down in Ventura, um, and I was actually it, it reminded me of a, a Scout Walker head. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And uh, I didn't own a Scout Walker at the time, so I'm like, oh, like what is this thing exactly? I didn't really know what it was. And um, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it fits the the mold as far as mini rigs go. It kind of I'd say it looks the most like a Star Wars vehicle <laughs> that exists. <laughs> you know, like kind of, you can see where they got their inspiration from. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And something that that Ron points out, he couldn't join us in the episode, but as always, he's here in spirit. Yeah, especially when you look up old stuff on the archive. Yes, all the uh, the catalog, like for just the straight up toy entries. Yeah. yeah, that's one of my favorite thing about the archive, Steve. Is usually if you just look up anything. The archive write up, write up is the first thing you find in Kenner yeah. Toys. Yeah, and I'm really true. glad that, that no like algorithm can outdo that because you usually <laughs> run into Ron's writing, which is usually the best stuff there. And uh, and it sort of talks about what its role was. And I didn't realize that because I've never owned this. Mm-hmm. But on the box, there's a picture of the Int 4 inside, inside of the uh, AT-AT. Yes. yes, 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 yeah. So that's kind of a cool thing, you know, the, I, the idea that it's sort of like a modular toy that you could play with. Yeah, no, I think uh, in terms of, like, mini-rigs and compatibility, that's that's awesome. That's, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's and it's, I don't know, it's also kind of like, uh, when I was a kid, I used to have this, like, a stuffed whale that I loved. And uh, it was cool because you could, like, reach into its tummy and pull out a baby whale. <laughs> Wait a minute, Steve. That wasn't Wait, its tummy. Hold on a second. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> the the INT4 out of the... Uh, <laughs> right. Of it's the, like the, the INT4. Uh-huh. Like, the AT-AT is giving birth to the <laughs> INT4. Second Photoshop competition. Can you oh. show a birth scene... With the INT4 from the AT-AT. It's like a little baby armored dog, right? Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, and also, to be honest, I mean, that's the imagery that I had with the, uh, the, uh, the uh, you know, that triangle thing at the beginning of the first movie. Uh, what do you call it? Star Destroyer with the, with the Tanty 4, you know, in mm-hmm. its tummy. It's like it's giving birth, too. Like, you just, just pull that thing out of its tummy. Mama! You know? <laughs> As you could tell, this strange whale stuffed animal had a huge impact it, I was on saying, my life. It, it was definitely a, it had a presence in your. Yeah. <laughs> I never know where this show's going to go, Steve. Neither do I, and that's what <laughs> makes it fun. <laughs> I love the idea of of the ATAT giving birth. That's just great, <laughs> and the ATAT commander can be there like its midwife. You know? Ooh, oh yeah, that's, uh, don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> you say that every time, Steve. Ooh, bah. Uh, the great thing is, oh. Steve, in the event that your marriage leads to children, I guarantee you, you will think about that when your child is born. <laughs> it happened to me. No. I'm sitting there. I'm panicked. I'm in scrubs. You know, I disinfected. It's the weird smells of a hospital you're not used to. The uh, sound. That's, that's the last thing I want to be thinking about. That's and the last you, thing. You just think in your mind, ooh, bah. Ooh, bah. <laughs> Uh, oh no! Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so 
that was uh, – I thought I maybe had more to say about the Int 4, but I don't think I do. I mean, I'd say that was pretty substantial with the uh... – <laughs> No, that's true. With a giving birth. Thank you, Steve. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then another thing, I, I really wanted to talk about the uh, about the Hoth Ice Planet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the Sears the Sears playset. Yeah, right. I wanted to talk about that with Ron because he has yeah. some really cool pieces from that. Yeah. But actually, the ATAT Commander is not featured on the Hoth Ice Place Planet adventure set either no no it's just han hoth and a bunch of rebels and, and right. troopers but yeah. he is featured on the rebel command center adventure set right which i just uh, this is another thing where i just love doing this show learning about things i didn't i didn't really think about i've seen these before um, I know I own the Land of the Jawas, so I, yeah. I'm familiar with this setup of having a molded plastic base and a, right. a cardboard backdrop. But these are really underrated. I mean, these are I, yeah, they're some of my favorite um, favorite uh, like place. I mean, vintage as far as non figure stuff. I love these these play sets. Yeah, there's just it, there's something about it. It's so simple. But there's a beautiful drawing that you know an artist who went to art school, went to draft, drafting school, kind of like we talked about with James, like the lost art of, of coin making. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. isn't just some picture taken on set and scaled down. Somebody no, no. really made a great drawing of, of the Rebel Command Center. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's just – it's a really cool drawing. And then a kind of goofy toy. It's not necessarily that great of a toy because it's... No, it's, it's more... I always kind of thought of them, especially once I like, realized... Because <laughs> I had the Land of the Jaws, but just the, the platform. Like, well, no, this is... I mean, this will work. I'll take anything I can get. <laughs> but uh, once you see that the backdrops are in there, it kind of makes it more of a... Like a diorama kind of thing. And so this was only in Sears, which I... This is kind of our Sears is great episode. It Steve. is. It is. I, I, and I went to Sears all the time as a kid. It is great. <laughs> um, hey, Steve, does the Sears still exist down in Santa Monica? Uh, Santa Monica? I mean, on Santa Monica, not in Santa Monica. No, on Santa Monica. no, 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 no. It's an empty... The, the, the sign is still there, but no, it's, it's oh, long man. gone. So anyways, it, it <laughs> came about that the practice space... Did we talk about this on the last episode? No. We, we no, no. I think we've only talked about it just... Between ourselves, yeah. Well, anyways, I, I used to go to a practice space in Los Angeles on Santa Monica uh, Boulevard, and uh, it was right it was right near the Sears. Yes, and yeah. the Sears, it was kind of in the barrio. It was like the most depressing Sears. It it felt like a post apocalyptic Kmart, but it was Sears. <laughs> And then, the, the exterior definitely still has that vibe. Yeah. So, yeah. And Kmart itself often feels like a post-apocalyptic Kmart. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But this is the Sears is Great episode, as, yes. as we'll be getting into, because uh, a, lot of things will be, a lot of things about the Imperial, the ATAT commander that are interesting have to do with Sears. Actually, we went there, and uh, my parents just moved into town, Steve. That's the other thing, Steve. Yeah, that's a big big news for you. I knew that's been keeping you busy. Yeah, I mean, so you're getting married, and I decided to have my parents move two doors, uh, yeah, two doors down from me. Man, I didn't realize it was that close. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, so that, that's pretty fun. Anyways, and we went to Sears and we bought a bought a as my parents call it, an ice box. Uh, <laughs> bought an ice box in a radar range. <laughs> so I suppose these things were only available at Sears and. <clears throat> 
I, they must have been sold on the box or are they just in the wish book? Do we know that? But to be fair, how would we know that? That would be kind of hard for us to know. Uh, and so the Rebel Command Center came with three figures. Yes. Uh, so it came with uh, R2-D2, with the sensor scope, uh, Luke Hoth, and the AT-AT Commander. Right. And you see that it sold for 12 bucks, So that's pretty good because you got yeah. three figures, which were selling for about 2 bucks at the time. Right. Plus this pretty cool display stand. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, not bad at all. So if you have any thoughts about the Rebel Command Center, let us know. Now, Ron mentions that it's also available in Sears Canada, Steve. Mm, do, I, uh, do I hear a segue to the, the great north? Good day. Oh, do 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 the thing. Yeah, right. Oh, I had just inhaled when you said well, that. Well, You made it different. Right, like I added the second half. Sometimes I leave it out because I get tired. Eh? Yes. <laughs> segue to the Great North, Steve. Not only is Sears great, but Sears <laughs> Canada is really, really, really great. It is the most unhoser place in the Great White North. Um, so I was ready, Steve. Yes. Because usually what happens is we talk about something Canadian. Yep. We, we say something horrendously wrong. Yep. We are then corrected by Scott Bradley, Canada's greatest know-it-all. That isn't an option. Canada's greatest know-it-all. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then we feel dumb, and then we have to correct on this episode. So I said, aha, I <laughs> am going to contact Scott first. Because uh, I was thinking about uh, in particular about the General Veer's figure. Yes. Which is yeah. by far the most interesting thing about the AT-AT Commander. So, Steve, yeah. let's segue this into a nugget. Okay. Tis a nugget from the archive. Tis a nugget. Oh, my God, they're gorgeous. From the archive. All right, Steve, so for the, before we can even understand the nugget from the archive, which is on the archive, we need to go to Scott's Canadian Star Wars gallery. Yes. So I usually we start talking about something Canadian and then he corrects us. Well, this time we contacted him beforehand, so we're a little bit more prepared. And in particular, we looked at his great site. Now, he's got kind of a weird dark web URL, too. It's like web.ncf.ca. I mean, none of that makes any sense to me. So <laughs> just look up Canadian Star Wars Gallery. Yeah. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read about these. And he calls them Sears Canada exclusive shrink-wrapped figures. Mm-hmm. But by the end of this episode, you will never use that term again. <laughs> because when you talk about the Sakuda earlier, like the coins on the card back, right. that is shrink-wrapped. But these, Steve, are... Something else. <laughs> skin-wrapped. It rubs the lotion on its skin. <laughs> and I'm going to put in a really spooky sound after I say skin-wrapped. It rubs the lotion on its skin. Because these <laughs> figures, Steve, are... Skin wrapped. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. (laughs) 
Here is reading directly from Scott's excellent website, the Canadian Star Wars Gallery. And I totally encourage you guys to make uh, like a a NUC cast or something, some kind of Star Wars Canadian web uh, podcast because there's so much information just about Canada. So exclusive to Canada were the set of seven skin-wrapped figures that for the most part were exclusive to Sears. Now they already – I'm a little bit lost for the most part. Oh, the figures were most part exclusive to Sears. Okay. Yes. In 1980, Sears Canada released a set of five seven-packs – and in 1981, a set of four four-packs. Whoa. Each set contained one action figure that was, quote, exclusive to Sears at the time of release. These exclusive figures were vacuum-sealed on the blank black cards with no photo. So if you haven't seen these before, it's just black with a logo, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, and then... Uh, ages four and up, quatre ans et plus in French, and then the Kenner logo. So it's like you're looking at the figure in a blackout. Yeah, he makes a good comparison to kind of a, the kind of early revenge kind of blank proof cards in the sense where it's not really fully developed. It's kind of something like that. Right. Yeah. And he says the card reverse was plain cardboard with no photos as well. These generic cards were used because the photo cards that were to be used for their future general release were not yet available. And since these figures were to be packaged on card backs, overlaid side by side in a window box along with six and three other regular carded figures respectively, they needed to be affixed to something in order to hold them in place. Thus, the generic card back was created. Hot dang, Steve. <laughs> that makes so much sense. Yeah. I've, heard, I've heard all these words in sentences together, but that's said really clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Canadian Star Wars Gallery. Thank you, Scott. We don't call you Canada's greatest know-it-all for nothing. So that's why they were – they didn't need to have any – they didn't have a choice of having better packaging. Right. For one and they didn't have any need. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. These seven exclusive figures were the exact same figures that appeared in the Sears, Cloud City, and Rebel Command Center playsets, previously mm-hmm. discussed on the Kivecast. How? How did he know that? The Canadian version of the Cloud City playset was not available for catalog inclusion in 1980. He spelled it the, the British way, catalog <laughs> with a U-E at the end. Uh, the Cloud City playset was not available for Catalogui inclusion in 1980, and in fact, Kenner Canada chose not to produce the Rebel Command Center for the Canadian market at all. Sears Canada did make use of the playset's figures for their special multi-packs, however. Well, there goes my theory about Canada loving everything having to do with Hoth. <laughs> the cards that the figures were affixed to could arguably be called quasi-proofs for a lack of a better term. Mm, that doesn't sound right. Uh, Scott, I disagree. Well, I think I disagree with you on that, but uh, that usually doesn't end well. They don't seem like proofs to me. Anyways, as can be seen below, the Sears Canada ESB card backs are essentially card backs that were halted early in the production process. I pronounce that like a Canadian form. Process. The action figures were vacuum sealed with no pla- uh, were vacuum sealed with plastic onto the card backs. The card backs themselves sport small holes covering the whole surface of the card in order for the air to escape during the vacuum sealing process. The actual machinery used for the 1980-1981 figure seems to have been different as the whole patterns on the cards differ between the two years. Man, this is like getting down to the nitty-gritty. Nobody gets to the nitty-gritty like Scott Bradley. <laughs> Seriously, I don't think... 
I mean, there, there's a lot of very detail-oriented collectors, but he really gets to it. Um, wait, how do we know if it's 1980 or 1981? Um, that part isn't uh, how do we know explicit. Which, which figures? Which... Oh, you're trying, oh, well, the figures, that's... Oh, I see. So in yeah. 1980, they released a set of five, and in 81, a set of four. Okay, good. Seven-pack versus four-pack. Gotcha. Right. Okay, I'm, I'm back on board here. Phew. So the whole patterns of the cards differ between the two years. There's also a strip or two, depending on the figure, of adhesive on the cards in order to hold the figure in place during the vacuum sealing process. <clears throat> the now here's the, here is the, <laughs> the moment, right? Yes. <laughs> the correct terminology used in the industry for this type of sealing process is skin wrapping. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. As opposed to shrink wrapping. The difference between the two sealing processes is that skin wrapping covers the figure and the front portion of the card back only, while the back is still left bare. Shrink wrapping, by con- contrast, covers the entire product with plastic, both front and back. However, the common terminology in Star Wars collecting circles in regard to these Sears Canada figures is shrink wrapped, vacuum sealed, and at times, vacuum-formed. So, Steve, no more. <laughs> These are skin-wrapped, and that's what we should call them. That All is right. way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> skin-wrapped. I mean, there's, the only thing you can think of is Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> the only thing you can think of uh, is... See, I figured you were going down that as you uh, said it more creepily each time. <laughs> skin-wrapped. <laughs> It puts the Ugnod in the basket or it gets the hose again. Um, <laughs> it rubs the lotion on its tusks. Yeah, it's, I mean, it makes you think of Buffalo Bill. It's just skin-wrapped, you know. It's like I went to grad school with a guy once and I was like, he's, he's a really nice guy, but sometimes I think he'd like to... See, I think he'd like to make a lampshade out of my skin. I made a friend of mine laugh once. Um, yeah, so... Skin wrapped. It's it's more evocative. It makes you think of of sounds of the lamps, and it's actually accurate. Yeah, it's it's different. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Steve, we're still far away from the actual nugget from the archive. Yes, we still got a little ways. But I feel like pound for pound, this is our most information packed episode. So far, yeah, we're we're uh, we're on a roll here. Yeah, I should not stop it by talking about how much things we're learning. <laughs> um, and then he mentions that another facet of the Sears Canada figures is that. There's a difference in the character names. Right. So Han Solo, Cloud City outfit, I mean, outfit, become, okay. The general release name is Han Solo Bespin Outfit. This year's Canada figure name is Han Solo Cloud City Outfit. (laughs) Dengar, Dengar, Lobot, but in Canada, Lobot is Lando's aide. Right. Luke Skywalker, Skywalker was Hoth Battle Gear in America, but up north... It's Luke Skywalker Hoth Outfit. <laughs> and in general release figure name, it's R2-D2 with sensor scope. And in Canada, it's R2-D2 with periscope. Per- periscope, that's great. <laughs> Which is quite cool. And of course, drum roll, the most important and noticeable one is the AT- AT commander is known as General Veers. Right. Steve, why? 
<laughs> well, I guess uh, he put he has a good write up on Rebel Scum, uh, which is still it still exists, guys. It's still out there. You can of course, still find good stuff. Um, like this great thread from 2010. Yes. Um, so Scott basically explains that um, you know a lot of times in these early goings, you'd have just working names for, for figures or characters, and uh, so with with uh, this one in particular, the original nameplate uh, they had was General Veers, um, and they went with that on the figure. But then, uh, by the time I think the, the other figure had come out, uh, they switched the name to make it a little bit a little bit closer. It became uh, ATAT or ADAT Commander Veers, and that was uh, shown in the, um, the Canada catalogs in, in late summer 1981. So he went through two different evolutions of the name there. So... Where was he called? ATAT Commander Veers? That was in the... So uh, in, in the wish, Yes, in, in the Wish Book, I believe. Right, that was in the, yeah. in the Wish Book. Yeah. But where did the Veers come up... Where did they come up with it in the first place? I'm assuming they got it from Lucasfilm. Um, or, or through Kenner through Lucasfilm. Do you think it... You know, it probably would have been less successful if it was Veers. Because yeah. kids didn't know who it was. Yeah. Right. Well, that, I think, yeah, he makes that point, too, in the sense of being, you know, generic figures tend to at least... Right. It just gives it an easier uh, application. You know, oh, we need to get the the ad at, not, you know, who's Veers? What does he do? Oh, right. this is the guy who drives the, the walker. So, and yeah. then he mentions also in the thread that Veers died in the ESP novelization, much yep. like he did in the in this script that you flipped today. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. And, uh-huh. Steve, he does mention. So I've poked a little bit of fun, as I always do, at the Canadian accent. As you know, I, I love Canada. I love Canada so much, I don't mind stepping in Canadian geese poop. I, I really don't. That's how much <laughs> I love Canada. Um, which, by the way, there's a lot of that in my neighborhood right now. Oh, no. <laughs> Have you ever heard a Canadian goose hiss? <laughs> they scared my daughter a lot. Like, you walk by them, I had my dog, and my dog just was trying to eat them. And they just go... <laughs> Like it is a scary. I uh, I have witnessed that once. Uh, it is quite frightening. <laughs> so, anyways, I was laughing about them calling it Luke Skywalker Hoth outfit, um, but he does mention that up north they call it ATAT and not ADAT. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh wait. Oh okay. Go ahead. And as you know, Canada is is correct in everything that has to do with how to pronounce Star Wars things. So, once again, my case is is set. Yes, you, you have uh, <laughs> gained quite a bit of um, evidence there. But right. Before, Scott Bradley well, says it's pronounced that way, so there yeah, we go. Yeah. Yes. Um, there was one other note that uh, that I had seen. It was actually on one of the archive entries about these uh, these Sears exclusive figures. But <laughs> did you happen to catch what the uh, the Ugnot was uh, named in one of the Sears wish books? I saw it, Steve. I'd like you to tell me. <laughs> the Tusk from Ugnot. <laughs> Tusk from Ugnaught. So as they assumed Ugnaught was a planet. <laughs> <laughs> Am I a planet? <laughs> See, why did I even say it? Oh, I'm just... Uh, no, no, no. I don't have it in me right now. I'm, I'm okay. too busy actually having a real Star Wars collector's podcast to do a... To do, do anything too goofy right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> See, that you'll... That'll be when you're editing. You'll you'll take a break to uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I am planet. Um, yeah. 
And that's still not even the nugget, Steve. No, we still haven't gotten there. <laughs> so probably the most Canadian of all Star Wars items has to be this this General Veers, skin-wrapped General Veers. <laughs> um, it's still creepy. <laughs> There's no getting around that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so this is really weird. Yes, this is the weirdest of the weird, maybe. No. So it seems as... The, so what we're looking at... So another thing they did in Canada is a transition card. Right. And these are, in my mind, the most underpriced Star Wars items in existence. Because you can get these for under four figures, and they're really rare, and they're really cool. So they had overstock at the Irwin factory... In, right. Tor- in Toronto, whatever, where right. they distributed the toys. And, of course, <clears throat> you can now get a loft in the old Kenner Canada factory um, or their old offices. It's called, like, the Toy Lofts. I went there once. It's pretty cool. Really? Huh. Yeah, I yeah. Know oh, you didn't know that? Oh. Yeah, yeah. The whole the, – the Irwin factory – I believe it was a factory, not just a distribution center. It's sort of on the outskirts of Toronto. And when I went to Toronto to meet Jim McCallum, who wrote the book about uh, yes. Star Wars collecting, he like took me there, and I think it's called the Toy Lofts. And oh, it's always been so my cool. dream to like you know get one of those lofts and have meetings <laughs> of high high level Canadian Star Wars collectors up there, and 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 me. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, so the other thing they did was when they had extra Empire cards, they just put stickers that said Return of the Jedi on them. Right. Right. And then they put the offer stickers on them too. So this is a General Veers with Return, Return of the, the Jedi, Jedi sticker mm-hmm. and an Admiral Akbar offer sticker on the front and, and <laughs> on the back. Yes. So, I mean, this is uh, probably an entry from a while ago, but back, at least when it was written, uh, it was the only example of a Canadian Seas figure with something on the back. And so it's that's... He really had to drill down. We got our nugget finally. <laughs> yeah, that that is our nugget. And then that poses the questions. How, how, how does this exist? If we <laughs> if we understand that these were only sold in multi-packs, in Lilu Dallas multi-packs, <laughs> then how would one have an offer? So well. In in the write-up, uh, Chris Jorgulius and Scott Bradley on the archive, which is where this nugget is found, because we yes. don't do archives from Canadian galleries, um, the thought is that the figures are sometimes ripped from the box right. and just right. lying on the shelves at Sears, and then the employees would sell them as singles to avoid having to ship them back to the manufacturer as damaged goods. Right. And they say that might be why it existed. Which, one second, this is Sky here. That means that they put those stickers on not at the factory, but at the stores. So it's not factory overstock, it's store overstock. I'd say that's plausible, right? (laughs) I suppose it is. So anyways, maybe we've talked enough about this, Steve, and I'm sure we've said something completely wrong. Oh, there's, there's something in there, yeah. I mean, multiple things. So we'll still be corrected. By Scott Bradley about something. Um, but that's definitely – this is not a boring character, Steve. No, the not, AT-AT not the least. Commander is not boring. I mean I thought we'd have to talk about the, the AT-AT ship itself. And I don't even really know if we have to except to mention that uh, on the archive there's an interesting write-up about the Canadian AT-AT box. Ah. 
But it's wrong, Steve. It's wrong. So the archive even, is not always correct. Even even the best, right? <laughs> even the best. Uh, in the article, it says that it's uh, Kenner Canada, but it's actually a tri-logo. And I found it interesting because, uh, as many people may know, the the boxes for these would have a, a full-color photo on one side and then just a line art drawing, just a drawing in one color on the back. Right. And so I got kind of excited to look at this because it had full color on both sides, one in French and then the other on in English. Yeah. But according to Scott, it's actually Trilogo and that's European and that the, the archive has to be corrected. <laughs> so that is in the old marble uh, back yes. of the archive. It's the old pages. It's not quite deep web archive but it's it's pretty close back to then so maybe at some point it'll be corrected and that's what i'd like to do is is hey what other mistakes do you see on the archive send them kivecast at gmail.com and we'll do absolutely nothing about them but we'll talk about them i don't i don't (laughs) think we can correct them steve i don't know how to no i think that that requires certain clearance (laughs) we're we're, we're technically editors of, of the show but that just means that we can goof around on the blog i think um, but it, what i would what i'm thinking steve is that that'll be a chance to talk about things um not really to point out flaws with the archive but more a fun chance to talk about an item like this which is like this is really cool you know getting to see a, an uh a european at-at uh that's pretty sweet yep all right steve well then uh i guess we've talked about a lot of stuff yeah, yeah. We've got a couple to, things left, right? I think you wanted to talk about something that was not loved. <laughs> I, I'm sure it's loved by some. Most of these unloved things are. Okay. You don't hate, only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. The unloved and the unnatural. All right, good. We just took a little potty break. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I shouldn't be talking about that. Is that as bad as burping, Steve? <laughs> it's it's all in the same... Uh, it's all, yeah, it's in the same thing. I shouldn't have same. said that. It's um, okay. But speaking of moving, actually, I almost tripped over my... One of my favorite... Speaking of favorite toys that don't have to do with Star Wars, the, the Shogun Godzilla. Have you ever seen that? Oh, I have seen one. I never, uh, never had one or that played with one. That was guess, one of my but... favorite toys growing up. But you always lost the fist because it had a shooting fist. Oh, this... uh, yeah. Okay. And yeah. so I, I've gone back to my parents' house and played with it, you know, ten, fifteen times in the past twenty years. But it's never had the fist. And when my dad moved up here, he was like, "Oh, I found this," and he gave me the the fist, and I'm so excited. Wow, and, that, uh, that, is, that is something to reunite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a real kind of vintage memory. And then I have the crazy, like, 25-inch Chewbacca that they just made. Uh, oh, yeah. Or whatever, and so I have them <laughs> like fight, a, fighting like each other. like as tall as me. <laughs> yeah, I have them fighting each other, so that's, that's pretty fun. <clears throat> I'd like to see that made into, like, a stop motion. You, gotta, you guys got to do that. Yeah. <sighs> but it's cool because uh, someone asked me if I had any pictures of myself playing with Star Wars toys, and I don't. Um, like when I was a kid, but there is yeah. one of me with this toy when I was like a really little kid. 
and uh, probably like five or six. And behind me is this really cool Silver Surfer poster. <laughs> and so while looking around, I found a different vintage Silver Surfer poster. Um, <laughs> so I'm probably going to do a, I don't know, Throwback Wednesday or whatever. Yeah, um, with, yeah. With that, because it's pretty cool that I have the toy and an approximation of the poster. Yeah, and, uh, that's definitely fit for recreation. Yeah. And, but I'm not that driven to actually get the vintage boxed Shogun Godzilla. Yeah. I mean, you think I would be, but I guess that's when you're collecting is not driven by mm-hmm. by nostalgia. It's a really different thing. It's totally different, yeah. Anyway, Steve, so what is it that's unloved? I, I haven't <laughs> even looked. We've been recording for a while, and so I forget you, what you, you, you haven't looked. <laughs> um, all right, well, I went back for the, the food angle, which tends to be you know, ripe with, with good choices. But um, Oh, by the way, the new Star Wars cereal, no good. Oh no! You, I saw that at the store the other day. It's a not not so. Uh, did it, was it any better or worse than three PLs from three from the eighties? It's kind of similar. The problem is it's too fruity. I, I don't like fruity. Uh, okay, we'll see. I, I'm not. I guess I'll I'll never know if, if these uh, were as good as you know they look. But uh, what I'm looking at here is a box for streets uh, ice treats from Empire Strikes Back uh, from 1980. Um, and these are actually from Australia. Um, I just, I tend to like looking for stuff with, like we kind of talked about a couple times now, where it actually took someone creating artwork rather than just using the same stuff over and over again. But uh, the the box art for this for these popsicles is just awesome to me. And uh, we don't see a picture of it here, but apparently on the back, uh, you could cut out uh, an ad-at, which is... That, oh, was the, okay. that was how that I found it. Like, I need to find... That was the, the tie together. I'm like, what can I find with ad-ads? But I, sadly, we don't have a picture of this here. Maybe um, Duncan uh, can can snap a picture of it. You can find it uh, at the back with the, the cutout. But anyway, I just uh, I just thought it was a cool and probably really difficult to find um, oddball item. Um, don't say oddball, Steve. <laughs> That's the other podcast. All uh, right. Aren't You're they, right. Don't they say oddball? Yes, they do. Isn't it yeah. a... Grant's oddballs? Grant. Yes, it is. It's, it is Grant. Yeah. It's Grant. Yep. One of those. Yep. One of those guys does the oddball. <laughs> so we say unloved. Yes, unloved. And we it's were here first. Dang it. Um, <laughs> it's all right, Sky. Um, <laughs> and we're about to celebrate July Fourth, and we didn't win our independence. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, um, it's it is beautiful art. I'll, I'll try to describe it a little bit, Steve. Okay. Because um, you just said it's good. Well, I figured I, that's how I kind of start with this. You do a much better job of, of describing the the, uh, the visual. Well, it's nice is they try to give you the set. They have like a, a Vader mask, but it's yes. very blue, and then the eyes are purple. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of white reflection, but the reflection actually kind of feels like the breath coming from the Tauntaun that is directly to the Oh, left. wow. It has sort of like a, a snowy, almost gassy feel. <laughs> Not gassy in terms of things that make people turn off this podcast. But right. like, like you know, the gas in in Cloud City, you know mm-hmm. how how atmospheric yeah. it is, and there's all yeah. these cool, strangely drawn starfighters in the back and Tie Fighters. It looks actually like the Tie Fighters based off of the the, the Kenner toy, yeah, off off yeah. of the twelve back image or yeah. off of the Kenner toy, but yeah, right. But yeah. it's the fat that really takes this. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's it's almost like it's just bizarre. I mean, He's almost got like weird camo on, like to an extent. But yeah, there's swirling colors. You know what it is? It's a really loose brush. 
it's a loose paintbrush, and you don't see that in sci-fi work very often. That's true. Yeah, but you get the sense that there's sort of a an artist who likes to do kind of abstract stuff, mm-hmm. and just kind of like. Hey, I'll put in some of this color, kind of like yeah, fauvish colors. Especially if you look at it uh, next to the image of the of the lollipop, which is very clearly yeah. airbrushed and tightly yes. controlled, and that's has to be the same on every box. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. This is great, and it's called Streets. Streets. <laughs> Streets. How would you say that in Australian accent? Streets. Oh, uh, that that. Mm. Streets. Eh. I don't know. Street? I don't know. Streets. <laughs> Streets. <laughs> Street. Uh, see, I think you might. No, I don't know. That that's a tough one, Sky. <laughs> well, I'm not afraid of offending the Australians, but we have an Australian on our crew, Steve. Yeah, no, he was in Brisbane, Mike. Yeah. Not knowing how to pronounce things in Australia is part of the show. It, it is. It's, it's integral. To the show. <laughs> it, it is. Um. Yeah. Which then, I think, leads us to... Oh, and actually, you might have heard my phone. I got a, a text message. I got to turn this off. But I asked Yehuda yeah. if he's good with the nickname of the Mensch. Uh-huh. And he is. So, All right. Henceforth, <laughs> shall be known as uh. the Mensch. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. That... <laughs> We should you just bro, that was a, that we, a ter- uh, <laughs> terrible flashback for me, Sky. <laughs> what? You didn't like that movie either? Oh. There, there are things I liked, but there are things... I think that movie... The Lost is far over! This is it. The Lost is far I, uh, I just had to wonder what was going on that day, whenever that Dude, took place. That seems I just awesome. Oh come on! The past of I will do anything you want. I, Dude, yeah, you're wrong, uh, Steve. That's a great scene. Uh, it's great for the wrong reasons. So I'll say that. <laughs> I did not think of it as great when I first saw it. <laughs> you know, I think when you watch it again, if he just w- launched into a Scooby-Doo right there, it'd be really funny. <laughs> not the force is strong with Scooby-Doo. <laughs> uh, I think that might have to be your uh, your intro blip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the general. Henceforth. <laughs> it's like he's so twisted by the dark Steve, yeah, you're wrong oh, yeah. But I'm just not I'm not going to go there <laughs> Yeah, We should All do, right. a, we should do a, a commentary of the prequels Of just us disagreeing I, about everything being good or bad Oh, see, don't don't Didn't the Rebel Force Radio do that? Didn't they do an audio commentary for the movies? They did, but not where one of them was a snob well, not where one We of thought them. he was too cool for everything <laughs> Uh, I only like the unproduced versions of Empire where Veers dies because that's closer to the <laughs> script. I, I only go by the shooting script because I get to look at it and handle it because that's why I work. Did I mention I work uh, in Hollywood because I'm a big shot? Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. That, that is, that's me. That's you. <laughs> Henceforth, you shall be known as Big Shot Steve. <laughs> or uh, Supreme Commander Snake. <laughs> that's <laughs> Supreme Commander <laughs> <laughs> All right. Henceforth. Hey. Should be known as Scream Leader Sneeve. <laughs> All right. Good. 
Um, I will then say that we should go to the the market watch, Steve. Yeah, I think I think we need that. that was 10, <laughs> 10 minutes of nuggety nonsense. <laughs> One dollar flicks. Market watch. <clears throat> All right, Steve. Lots of markets to watch. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if this is included in Fantastic Pete's market watch. Okay. I don't even know if we have. Well, we we don't we have. We don't have a Fantastic Pete Marco watch specifically for, for this month. He has one that he had done. Uh, we're kind of getting caught up. We kind of got off track with, with his stuff. So you actually, in that last podcast, you you capped his most recent post. So uh, we're, all, we're all caught up in terms of Pete. Um, but we do have some new stuff from Mike for, for this month. Okay. Well, I will say that sort of an interesting question about... Um, like, what what do you do? I don't know. There was an auction. Mm-hmm. And I have never been more conflicted about an auction in my life. Really? Yes. Okay. So there was two auctions for boxed Bassa figures. Ooh. So if you remember, we've talked about it a few times. Yes. Peru, Peru had a licensee named Bassa. And they made uh, you know, large size action figures of Chewbacca and Darth Vader. Right. And a couple years ago, on a trip to Peru, or maybe even it's just a trip to Guatemala, I don't know what it was, but I think it was Shane Turgeon and Gus Lopez found a box and it was a great box kind of like your unloved uh, lollipop thing steve it was like it was artwork that was inspired by common artwork um but just very distinct right mm-hmm. like the darth vader's helmet curves in as opposed to out huh. um, chewbacca looks like a koosh ball um, <laughs> it's based off of the action figure to, uh like a carrying case but it's okay. not at all like it okay um and as far as I know, this is the first time that one of these has ever come up on the open market. And it came from a seller who has less than 10 feedback Ooh, in okay. Peru. All right. And this is one of those things where, what do you do, Steve? Mm. Do you contact other collectors and say, do you think this is real? Mm-hmm. Knowing that they might go, wait, what? Oh my God, that's out there? Yeah, because these are so rare. Everyone wants one of these. How much is it worth? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it worth knowing that this guy might be a fake or whatever? Yeah, yeah. So I put in a bid that was hilariously low. It turns out. Okay. But I knew it was low, but I didn't. It didn't seem certain enough to me. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I might lose a thousand dollars. On a gamble, yeah. Um, but then I, I looked at the at the bidding, and it seems as though like there's the people who were bidding on it had also bid on other things of this guy, and this guy didn't sell Star Wars stuff, so okay. it seemed like maybe there were shill bidders, or maybe mm-hmm. I didn't really understand how it worked. So I wound up retracting my bid anyway. Oh, okay. Um, but it sold for three thousand five hundred dollars. So. Huh. 
there you go. Wow. Um, but anyway, so that was just a very exciting time for me to try yeah. to figure out. Um, I, I immediately went out shopping after that. I got this like <laughs> kind of goofy, like quasi biker jacket looking sweatshirt from Banana Republic. And uh, my girlfriend was like, that's not even on sale. I'm like, hey, I just made $1,000. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I just think that's kind of a, a fun dilemma to think about. Yeah, um, yeah. What is it worth to gamble on something that you think you might never see again? Yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not much of a gambler in general, but in terms of this, it's something that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you just have to set a limit, I guess, as to how much you just be comfortable with saying, well, that's gone. You know, it's, just, right. it's hard. It's hard. And uh, he, he sold the Vader as well. Okay, so he had he had the pair of them. Yeah, he had both. Uh, okay. Which, I mean, they they were probably real. Damn. <laughs> uh, how much do you think the Vader went for, Steve? So the the Chewy was over just over three. It was two thousand five hundred. Um, I'll go six thousand five hundred for Vader. Yeah, close. Five thousand two hundred. Oh, okay. But this is the kind of thing too where I bought the loose Basa Chewbacca. Right. For more than it's worth now because it was mm-hmm. only the second one I'd ever seen. Yeah. So these might start popping up. There might be 10 in the next 10 years. And if right. there's 10 in the next 10 years, I could probably get one of those for 2000 <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But, or maybe another one won't show up. But that was, uh, for focus collectors out there, I think you can, I think you can feel my yeah, pain. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something to relate to. Oh, man. That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, but it's, I mean, boy, that's worth it. Yeah. If that's real and that shows up, three thousand five hundred bucks, that's definitely worth it. Yeah. 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 Given the way things are continuing to go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that just leaves us with an ATAT Commander market watch, doesn't it? But that's yeah. not even all the news, Steve, because there was well, other auctions that went on too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If, I didn't know if you want to do the the figure first, or if you want to go with the the other story. Either way, they're they're both. Let's right go to the other that. story. Okay. Um, well, so this is something, you know, given my general uh, lack of awareness of what the hell's going on, I probably would have known about it too late anyway. But um, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a, an auction out of uh, Ohio from a former, the, the state of a former Kenner employee named uh, Dewey Shoemate, I think. I don't know how that's the right pronunciation of his last name. But uh, it was a, you know, a publicized auction um, of a lot of interesting internal Kenner stuff. I guess he was he was uh, in the testing, I think, uh, department. Okay, so uh, Dewey Shumate was a supervisor of the development test lab for Kenner from 1969 to 87. So that's, you know, Kenner Star Wars wheelhouse era um, in terms of stuff that we're interested in. Um, and his estate recently uh, had a bunch of stuff sold through Max Webster auctioneers. So they built like this completely custom online auction site, uh, and there's I think 82 items or 82 lots that sold, uh, and there's some pretty crazy stuff in here. Um, as far as people that are into Kenner history and all that, there's I mean some of it went I guess for for some pretty crazy prices. Other stuff, not so bad. But um, as far as figures, there was some uh, prototype double telescoping figures. There was a Ben Kenobi, which I think was the thing that. that had the biggest price realized. Um, it was a 
double telescoping uh, engineering pilot that had a prototype clear version of the, of the Saber, and that went for just over $10,000. Um, there was another uh, Del- uh, a DT Vader EP that went for uh, $9,700. Um, and then there were some other like first shots from, like I think there was a Boot Snaggletooth that went for $2,500. Uh, some others, I think there was an R2 that actually was... Fairly reasonable. I can't find it right now. Yeah, 2,400. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. A ton of engineering pilots and a ton of first shots. Yep. And at a time when first shots and engineering pilots are... are the rage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these sold in pretty reasonable prices. and Yeah. yeah. Um, I think uh, one of my favorite things that... I mean, there's, there's cool things like signs from the test lab, things like that. I mean, as far as people that collect... I mean, I, I've never been into collecting Kenner, you know, employee types of stuff, but for them, there's definitely people that are into that, and there's a lot of awesome stuff in here. Um, did you see those, they were like integrity testing tools? They look like uh, like cattle prods almost. Yeah, little torture devices. <laughs> yeah, little torture devices. Those are pretty interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, things like the test lab arrow sign. Yeah. Ooh, I hope the Mensch got one of those. That, that'd be really oh, good yeah, for... For like his weird collection of multiple prototypes all mixing together. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know. That's too hard of a name. Yehuda is such a nice name. Maybe he doesn't <laughs> need a nickname. Maybe he can just stay Yehuda. <laughs> Yehuda. Um, uh, this is kind of kind of fun. His personal briefcase went for seven hundred and seventy-five bucks. Um, and then there was like you know catalogs that that went for higher than normal. Um, anyway, I'm sure watching this live was was a great time. I, I not that I would have really bid on any of this stuff, but it's uh, it's just cool to see something outside of the normal venues, I guess, of, of eBay and, and Facebook and all that. This is kind of its own deal that uh, that got a lot of attention. Um, well, I, I, I wish that I bid more on the Chewy mug. Yeah, um, the Chewy mug, right? That, there's I, I forgot there. to bid on. I saw it. It's like one of the weird. I don't know if it comes from a, a kit or if it was just a straight bootleg. I've always thought it was a bootleg, but it's cool because it has the word, the name Dewey written on it. So yeah. you can tell it was actually his. His mug, right. He was like sipping on the mug while working uh, Yeah, yeah. Working on the development test lab. but Yeah. Um, and that wasn't, that wasn't the only important auction that happened since then, Steve. No, this is another one I, I'm going to guess what it is. I don't think I know near as much about, about it as you might. So why don't you uh, – you take oh. that. Well, this one has covered a lot from the Star Wars FUK guys, who are now known as the Vintage Rebellion. Um, but there was uh, there's a, this auction house, which is actually one of their sponsors, called Vectus. Oh, okay. And they're out of the UK. Right. And they had a huge sale, um, a huge sale of mostly Palatoy items. And it was like some guy who worked for Palatoy had some kind of connection, kind of a similar deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they had another auction too. I don't have the realized prices of that one. Um, but if you go on uh, SWF UK, uh, you can find a full write-up of what everything sold for. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, you know, like basically a full run of – yeah, a full run of Palatoy 12-backs, um, which of course much to my chagrin – the hardest one to find and the most valuable one is always Chewbacca. Uh, <laughs> so that sold for 4700 Oh. I remember turning one down for 1500 10 years ago. Oh, boy. Um, but uh, that was always 
that was always really, really expensive. Yeah. Um, and then same thing. They had a Dennis Fisher 12 inch Chewbacca that sold for seven. Oh wait, I'm sorry. That's actually 4,700 pounds. Oh, pounds. Okay. So that's like, that's even <laughs> seven thousand dollars, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, and a Dennis Fisher, twelve uh, inch Chewbacca, sold for seven hundred pounds. Um, not, mm. uh, I should have bid more for that too. Um, but you should really just look at this. We'll, we'll hopefully get a link to it out there where you'll see. Yeah. Basically, just seeing that you know a twelve back Vader sold for seventeen hundred pounds. A twelve back Luke sold for twenty six hundred pounds. Um, really, it's. Essentially, if you ever wanted to know what anything Palatoy is worth, it's all right here. It all happened on May 27th. Okay, um, yeah. So wow. It's cool, though, because I, you know, I, I have a 30 back Palatoy Chewbacca, and I'm pretty sure that's more rare than the 12 back. It's not as desirable, but I've certainly mm. never seen one of those around. So <laughs> if, you, if any of you guys are listening uh, and I'm wrong, let me know. Um, but yeah, so, uh, those are not eBay auctions, but just right. general auctions, Yeah, which brings us to actual eBay auctions, Steve mm-hmm. and general veers, the skin wrapped ATAT commander. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, see the, that's going to be a tough thing to disassociate now. <laughs> <laughs> Good solution on his tusks. Uh, <laughs> There's actually a similarity between the Silence of the Lambs voice and Palpatine in that scene. Henceforth, uh, we shall put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> or we'll get the horse again. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, this, like always, uh, Brisbane, Brisbane Mike comes in uh, in a pinch. He, he saw your Facebook post about us recording tonight, and he actually emailed us saying, Hey, guys, I'm, I'm on holiday in, in Zurich. <laughs> do you need Do you need a... Market watch, and I'm like, oh, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's crazy that it's just like within hours he's got he's got a whole post ready to go. So, well, Steve, uh, have, have you ever have you ever been to Switzerland? No, okay. unfortunately not. It is so expensive. I would if I was traveling there and I had an excuse to not spend money for ten minutes. <laughs> and I just would. go look on on eBay for Star Wars toys. It's instead. crazy. It makes yeah. it makes London look like Hungary. It's like. Oh. <laughs> Hot dogs are like fifteen bucks. You're like, what the hell? You just get angry because everything's so exp- it's like it's insane. Yeah. So Brisbane, Brisbane. Oh, I suppose I had to pay for the Wi-Fi. It was probably like Ho- hopefully know, that doesn't uh... fourteen dollars a minute. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks again, Mike, for for pitching in right at the last second. And uh, <laughs> worry not, we we did actually, I think, use your last. Luke Hoff stuff in that Phantom episode, so it is yes. it is on record and it will be <laughs> consumed at one point. But uh, that, we'll... <laughs> that, that episode is currently being sent media mail <laughs> to our <laughs> listeners. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's he's got a good selection um, as always for for our character of the month. Um, I don't know. Did you have a chance to look at this yet, or do you want me to just uh, kind of go through? Or what, yeah, what sure. Well, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll alternate. Okay. Um, so, so his debut got, card. Yep, it's the forty-five we'll start, back. Start with me. His debut card okay. was a forty-five back. Yep. So you can get an ungraded debut card back in like C seven, C eight for seventy-eight bucks. Yep. And that's it's. I always um, get. I just feel good when I when I see Mike's like posts with carded figures because most of the time I'm just like I, I could never do this again. When I see that, I'm like, oh, that's 
I could do that. <laughs> right. He says, perhaps the cheapest debut MOC I've ever seen. And that's um, true. Yeah. Well, and then, oh, yeah, I think there's another one here. Um, yeah, but this the pop's one, removed. Ah, uh, that one's removed. Okay, so 26 bucks. I wasn't sure if he was, uh, which one he was referring to. Anyway, there's a uh, proof of purchase removed version of that for 26 bucks. Um, all right. Uh, you're up next, right? Yep. And then a, a plethora of coin offers. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll just do the next two, Steve. So there's a okay. 47 4 Lom mm-hmm. uh, with coin offer sticker um, for 56 bucks. Yep. So that's cool because if I love double offers, and yes. there's two price tags too, so that's pretty oh, gnarly. Yeah, <laughs> he had a good life on that shelf. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Which, you know, the picture. So I, I think if I was a kid and I saw the ATATs shooting, I would probably want that figure just for yeah. the card back. It's a cool card back. It's and that's an image that that I mean we didn't really talk about that yet. That that's used in a lot of things. Um, yeah. It's a great, it's a classic, I think, promotional image for that for that movie. So it makes sense. Um, okay, so what do we got next here? And then a 48A ungraded with a coin offer sticker for 85. Mm-hmm. Um, I might as well do the next one, Steve, because okay. I am the king of the 48 <laughs> that, that is your... <laughs> that is my domain. Yes. And a 48B sold for $67.50. Did, uh, did it sell to you? <laughs> no, I bid $67.49. So that <laughs> must have been what happened. <laughs> <laughs> King of the 48 Bs. Henceforth, <laughs> you shall be known as. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, now, really... now I want to go back and do henceforth, it shall be known as skin wrapping. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can have fun with that when you're editing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so up after that, we got a 48C uh, for $62.11. That's the. The Revenge Act bar, another Revenge Act bar offer. Um, and then we got a couple of Jedis. We got a 65 ungraded for 34. It looks like there might be some tape or something on the front, but hey, you know, it's <laughs> it's a Jedi figure for 34 bucks. Um, and then we got the last piece is a 77 back with, with the coin offer uh, for 43, also ungraded. So, hey, I mean, in terms of carded figures, it's it's pretty pretty affordable. <laughs> yeah, if you want to collect the ATAT Commander, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so hey, yeah, uh, thanks again, Mike. Uh, as always, um, we'll get this up there when we when we get the podcast up too. So yeah, it's it's great and an actual sign of hope. It is a, totally totally a sign of hope. <laughs> And he's not that lame of a character. He's not that lame. No, I, I mean, can tell you now the result of our Facebook poll, Steve. Okay. We're going to – okay. You don't want to do that now? Yeah, yeah. We're ready. Okay. So as of now, the current Facebook poll, Steve, this is the vote. Okay. So, so the vote for will mean – so keep track at home – the vote for will mean voted less boring. So it's the Imperial Commander versus the ATAT Commander. Vote for ATAT. Two votes for ATAT. Three votes for ATAT. <laughs> Four votes for ATAT. Five <laughs> votes for ATAT. Six votes. Uh, ooh, one vote for. The Imperial Commander. 
um, uh, I can't even keep track of how many votes. Yeah, I, Everybody just, thinks the Imperial I, Commander is more boring. Yeah, I was going to say, before, I wanted to wait until you lost track. That we should just set up, isn't there an actual, like, polling function we could have set up? Oh, sh- come on. <laughs> but it, would, it wouldn't, there's comments. See, this is, this is the sign of the times, man. Look, this is the most, like, listener interaction we've had in ages. Look at how many comments are on this That's thing. why I did it, Steve. I know, it's great. It's great. Learn Web 3.0. Three, dude. Yeah, yeah. This is Snapchat. Oh, Snapchat. (laughs) And then it it allows you to get good comments. Like, they're both great because they're both not General Maydine. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, And then, I mean... And it drums up interest in our content, Steve. Yes, yes. And look, Daniel Bornheim, which I think, of course, months ago, when I was like, wait, we needed to get him on when we talk about the... The commander, and of course, we we dropped the ball on that. So sorry, Daniel. <laughs> but he's got an awesome run that he just right there posts a picture of it, and it's it's incredible. So I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. Like that's that's the way things are going. Facebook. <laughs> yep, that's the way it's going. So it definitely seems as though the Imperial Commander is considered more boring. Yeah, I think he's he's really. I think uh-huh. I, I think I just don't like the chest plate on the ATAT commander. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that's that's fine. <laughs> yep. Um, then okay. I, this only thing is, that can be left, possibly be left, has to be feedback, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here at the Kivecast, we really do care. You can email us at kivecast at gmail dot com. Twitter us at Kivecast, or join us up on our Facebook page. We really do care. Okay, Steve. Feedback was that one dude who said that he liked it when I burp. All right, (laughs) so the baseball stores. (laughs) Wait, wait, hold on. (laughs) Wait, did you find more feedback? There was. I just needed to find our spam feedback that I, I just really enjoyed. Oh, okay. Hold on one second. It'll be on this last last episode. <laughs> well, I, I want to say right. I did want to get. Um, I mean, there has been a lot of interesting stuff happening on the archive, uh, on the blog. There's actually That's a true. whole interview with Yehuda, the collector, yeah. almost known as the Mensch, who we are now <laughs> just calling Yehuda again because it's because see he's he's like a gentle soul, and even though Mensch indicates kindness. It's too hard of a word. If it was like <laughs> mens, <laughs> we <could> call him. <laughs> just call him like the menses or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, All right. <laughs> so, yeah. So I wanted, you know, I thought it would be cool to talk to Ron about his thing on zines. Hopefully, yeah, we'll get him. That'd be I'm, that'd be a good discussion another time, right? I'm going to be seeing him with the Menses uh, this this week. For the the fourth. Yeah, for the fourth. So maybe I can get an interview with him. I'll be good to talk to Pete sometime. uh, A fantastic Pete about his his cool blog about when he finishes the second part. Yeah. uh, His experience at Celebration. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think he's got the second part of that pretty much ready to go. So... Okay, I, I found I found our one piece of, of feedback from uh, it actually was from two episodes ago. Um, it's the first live celebration podcast. Uh, Lee Wu uh, says, "Man must evolve for all human conflict, a method which rejects revenge." And that's actually a hyperlink. Uh, I have not clicked on it yet. 
Don't click on it, Steve. <laughs> no. Uh, furthermore, uh, aggression and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. Nice. That's, that's, and that was our feedback from uh, episode 61. Uh, we did not have any on the blog for 62. <laughs> uh, is there some other place, Steve, where we get feedback? Uh, the email. Email address. That, that's kind of that's more your territory because I always forget the password. No, kivecast.gmail.com. We got David saying he wished he met us and his kid likes yeah. my burping. That's it, <laughs> Steve. Could, could you at least like us on iTunes or up face us or whatever on, on iTunes? Oh, Steve, I got an iPhone again. Oh, yeah, that's right. I noticed that the messages have gone back to blue. That's and, good. And I didn't tell you, Steve. I actually turned it into a vintage pod. So I took your cool, uh, your cool pictures of the of the Beaming Pilot and oh, the Chewbacca. The oh, okay. Yeah, and I cut them out and put them on the front. Nice. And then I cut out the picture of the pod and put it on the back because awesome. I have like a black case, and so it just means I lose everything. Ah, okay, all right. So yeah, so I'm, I'm back in the world of uh, my my one year experiment of, with of Apple. <laughs> with uh, Android did not did yeah, not end not, up not too, go so well. too well. Uh, well, hey, whatever works. Yep, and with that kind of platitude, it can only mean one thing, Steve. It's baseball time. Now, when we last left off, Steve was in first place. Yeah, that's that's really not going to last much. Well, it's, it hasn't lasted. It's gone. But it, it's it's gone. And, and it's going to get worse from here. <laughs> I have been slowly slowly creeping, creeping and creeping closer and closer to him. I don't think I've passed him yet. I'm going to check right now. Right. I'm having a good day. I am. I'm still absolutely shocked. Oh no, you're you're ten points ahead of me, Steve. You're doing but, quite well. Uh, the, I mean, this is just. It makes no sense, Sky. It makes no. This is why I I just came to realize Savannah Fantasy Vehicle just makes no sense. <laughs> well, it does make sense because you can get lucky in a draft, but if you don't manage your team well, well you eventually lose. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think I just lost my big home run hitter, so that I did notice, and I did take him out of the lineup. So there you go. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. I, that would that would not have happened uh, in years past. <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, you're you're getting you're getting closer. Well, it's the same thing every year. It's going to come down to me and Waffle House. <laughs> it always comes down to me and Waffle House, Steve. Um, but fortunately, I've got Jock Peterson on my team. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so good. Yeah. Well, Steve, it's so, nice to have a regular episode. Yeah, no, it's, it's been fun. It's, uh, it's been a long time. So. Yeah, it's going to be hard for me to edit. The last two have been pretty nice. Just kind of <laughs> throw them up there and put them out to the world. This will take a little bit more effort. Yeah. Um, but it'll be really fun. Thanks to James Gallo for coming on and talking. Yeah, yep. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> up next, uh, we <laughs> we got the cloud car pilot. So, um, how we'll much see. Matias can we possibly have on this show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can someone else start a, a cloud car pilot focus just so we can talk to someone else? <laughs> Not that I don't love talking to Matias, but it's like we talk to him too much. <laughs> Sky says as he talks about how frustrated he was at not being able to talk to Ron. Hey, maybe next month we should just pick somebody who we've never talked to. Just you know, find one of the thousands of people we want to talk to who we haven't talked to. What do you think? I think that's a good idea. <laughs> okay, if you'd like that to be you, kivecast at gmail dot com. Don't just like us on Facebook, space freaks. <laughs> we'll do we'll do that too. <laughs> yes, and do that too. All right, cool. All so right. Uh, we will see you next month. To talk about the cloud car pilot. We'll go all the way back to 1978 when they designed that character.
<laughs> and uh, have a good July 4th. Have a good Star Wars party, me. Have good wedding planning, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I hope to see you in France or Belgium if you live there. And uh, what's that thing I used to say? Oh, Wampa Wampa. Adios.